on show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this white go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. Greg Carrasco. Slackers. Good morning. Is that time of the weekend? Is that time of the day? This beautiful Saturday morning. If you're listening to my voice, it's because you're still alive. And that may be good for some people. For some Either way, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest radio show on weekends. Pow! That's amazing. Good morning, Jacob. How are you? I'm in a little bit of pain this morning. I'm not going to lie. Why? What happened to you? My legs aren't, aren't doing me very well right What's now. What's wrong with your legs? So I, I, for, I went to the gym on Wednesday, and for the first time in you're forever... you doing legs? No, no, no. For, I'll, <laughs> let, me, let me explain. So for the first time in a long time, uh-huh. I did... Ham, uh, hamstrings. I did deadlifts. For some reason, I'd gotten off doing deadlifts, and I went a year, about a year without doing deadlifts. So I got back. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna get the form down. I'm gonna start doing deadlifts again. So I did them. Everything was great. It was all great. My form was good. Everything was good. Uh, but the next day, I woke up and I was like, oh my god! Like I felt it, as mm-hmm. you should when you haven't done something like that in a long time. Mm-hmm. And my stupid self decided instead of maybe giving myself a little bit of a rest that I was going to go out there and run 10 K. So <laughs> well, my legs you, are, you, they're feeling it. You, your idea wasn't wrong. Your approach was a little bit misguided, but I think that uh, you see to minimize the impact of the DOMS. I don't know if you've ever heard of that DOMS. No, no the, idea what that means. DOMS is uh, essentially what your legs are feeling right now. Is DOMS is an acronym for delayed onset muscle soreness. That's what, that's what we call it in the um, fitness industry. Uh, it, it's a thing, believe me. So... Uh, now I'm just curious which part of your legs is sore your calves your thighs your hamster what is it calves and hamstrings okay so you see that alone tells me that your form was not correct on your deadlift hold on hold on hold on hold on on. is it because the hamstrings are sore or the calves are sore both because why hamstrings though because the calves was from calf raises like that was total that's totally separate yeah but you said deadlifts right but I also did calf raises, yeah, too. Yeah, but if you did deadlifts after not doing them for a long time and you did them properly, uh, you should be feeling the brunt of your doms on your glutes, not on any other place. 
why isn't the whole point is a hamstring it's a hamstring exercise though no no Absolutely not. In fact, you you know you use them to hold your knees from collapsing forward, but you usually don't have a lot of uh, issues with your hamstrings on the way down on a deadlift. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I you guess see? my form was incorrect. No, no, no. I, I just, I'm just curious. So, you know, during the break, we're going to have a little bit of a session. See, I just want to see. You okay. see, I, a very little known fact is that I was a, a coach at my CrossFit gym for years. I'm a certified CrossFit coach, and uh, we uh, we study this stuff. Uh, fascinating. And uh, believe it or not, deadlift and squatting are the two exercises that most people, most people cannot self-correct. So you need to have an outside person just having a look at your direct, you know, direction and see where you're going with that. But uh, I'm just happy that you're doing legs. Yeah. No, of course. <laughs> Leg, legs, no, I never skip legs. Never. Yeah, you, it's, it's very, very important. Um, I, 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 hate, I have a love-hate relationship with squats. I love them because of how important they are, but I hate them because I hate doing them. And you will find that as men, as men as they get older and they don't go to the gym, you know, they can't fill up their pants. In the back, I'm saying, <laughs> you know, their their ass disappears. It's like, well, where do you leave it, dude? No, man, you need to get down in some squats. Heavy, yeah, heavy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, just ask the grass. There you go, baby. You know, and speaking of squats and deadlifts, um, I want to send a big shout out to all the dads out there, fathers, father figures, mentors. The dudes, the badasses, the one that step up when nobody else does. Uh, happy early Father's Day to all of you recognized and unrecognized dads out there. Because you know what? Nobody cares about... I was listening to this comedian this week that says that uh, um, the Father's Day is the absolute worst uh, celebration during the year. The, is the absolute worst. Because apparently uh, it's number 20 on uh, holidays or celebrations during the year. So the first one is Christmas. So you're celebrating Jesus. The second one is Mother's Day. So it's Jesus and your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy was talking. How did they come up with that? I don't know. They're asking people. 20th. Yeah, okay. they ask people to name the, the holidays that they yeah. remember during the year. And I guess Father's Day ended up at number 20. So Halloween was number six. So, oh, you come know, on. witches and goblins <laughs> are 16 spots ahead of of dads until there is no food in the fridge <laughs> until uh, the phone bill is not paid until <laughs> un <laughs> until the wi-fi is slow <laughs> until the wi-fi is slow until the car doesn't run uh un until a tire needs to be changed <laughs> and then oh where is that I don't know. I, I don't get it, man. I, I, I really don't get it. And, you know, and I'll share with you, you know, a bit of a personal experience with this. Um, growing up in uh, in deep, dark Santiago in the 70s and uh, my mom being part of a deeply, deeply fanatical, evangelical, Pentecostal household, uh, when she met my dad and they, they ran away and she came back pregnant, uh, it was not a good thing. Like not good, <laughs> of things that a Pentecostal woman can do in the early early seventies, running away from home and getting pregnant without being married. No, no bueno, <laughs> no bueno. So my my father was um, immediately ostracized and 
marginalized and essentially just kicked out kicked out of our lives um you know I, my mom was i was born uh and my mom was pregnant with my sister when my dad every time he would come by to see us he was uh um uh, the police was calling him they didn't want him around so mom was not allowed to talk to this man and eventually after years and years and years of trying and getting arrested uh he stopped coming because he was he just couldn't do it. Uh, one time he came to visit us and the police was called and he was arrested for a while. And, you know, we were told, you know, growing up, we were told that my dad was, uh, you know, had gone to jail because he had robbed something. And uh, but decades later, we found out that the the reason why he got arrested is because he insisted in seeing us. So the the parental alienation campaign that my sister and I went through was was brutal uh you know dad was a criminal dad was a bad person dad was going to steal us whenever we were of an age and he would come and take us take us away so we were always afraid of this man um you know subsequently you know 5 years later mom left so we were just left alone but you know my dad was always this figure this was dangerous criminal that we should not be in contact with. So we grew up thinking that dad was this awful, awful human. Um, and, and that's the way that it was. So I had, I never met the dude, right? Uh, but when I, um, when I made the decision of coming to Canada, uh, I was 17 years old. I needed to find him to tell him that in spite the fact, despite the fact that he abandoned us and he was just an awful, awful person, that I had made it anyways and I was leaving the country and he was never going to see me. So I needed to tell him this. So I went looking for the dude. Uh, it took me a few weeks because uh, nobody wanted to tell me where he lived. Um, the only thing I knew about him, Jacob, was the fact that he had a tattoo on his arm that he had done in jail when he was arrested for trying to come and see me. That said, uh, in, in Spanish, it's Gregory Te Recuerdo, which means Gregory, I remember you. And it was on a ribbon and a heart on his uh, on his right arm. So that's the only thing I knew about him. Um, I I thought that his name was Israel. That's what everybody knew him as, Israel. So I went out looking for this Israel, Israel dude. <laughs> Nobody knew an Israel dude. So eventually this lady uh, said to me, you know, I'll tell you where he lives, but uh, don't tell him I told you. So you know, I, uh, I found this place. Um, I went and knocked on the door. And this uh, this dude comes out. He was wearing tan shorts, not like I'm wearing today, with a big bushy beard, uh, with not wearing a shirt. Like he's a very hairy dude. He was like a man's man. Um, now, chilly, ghettos, 70s, danger. So dad was covered in stab wounds and cuts and stuff. And I knew that he had been shot once. Uh, but I... Other than the tattoo, I didn't know anything else about him. And uh, so I knocked on the door. He comes out. And the first thing that he says to me when, when I see him, he says, what do you want? His face was covered in, in shaving cream. And uh, I pointed at the tattoo and I said, that's me. He dropped to his knees and he cried. But I was so, I was so angry at him because, um, you know, if, if you were to see pictures of him, we are like twins. We look identical. 
So I was so angry at him that all I could think is like, I hate you for not being here. So, you know, we spent some time together. We talked. And the following day, I came back with my sister. He didn't know that I had a sister or he had a daughter. So that was pretty intense. But I never wanted to have a relationship with him because of what he had done. He had left, or at least that's what I believed. So I left I left Chile, and I was gone for a very, very, very long time before I came back for the first time. It was like five years later. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, when I came back, um, you know, I, it was the same thing because not, nothing had changed. I had never come across any new evidence, but I knew that he had another seven kids uh, and they all live with him so he's he was still married to his wife and all the kids live there and so then as their kids his kids grew up I started to have some what of a relationship with him but um, I remember this was back in 2012 uh, my sister calls me and he said Greg I, come and see me so I went to her house and she was on the floor crying I said what's up <laughs> she says I just called my uh, half brother in Chile to say hello and to see how he's doing but uh, you know dad died and I said what and I said you know can we fly down for the funeral she said no that, he died six months ago and we never knew about it um, so after that took place, I, we started to go down to Chile and visit my half-brothers and sisters. And uh, only then the real story came up, how much he had tried to get in touch with us, how much he loved my mother. He still had pictures of my mother in a box. Uh, and uh, that was never his choice. And his kids, his new kids knew about us uh, and about how much he had tried. And then... Throughout all of this, I realized that everything that has been said to me about my dad was a lie. It was a lie. And parental alienation is one of those things that you can never prove. Uh, it's so unbelievably awful when you vilify half of a kid's life, you know, because whether you like it or not, they are half sons and daughters of the dad. Uh, in being in Canada and having experienced some of that here myself, I understand how unbelievably underrated and important the role of a father is. And uh, I don't think that we emphasize enough how important it is to have a father in the house, a father figure, a father that will stand in there. Because I can tell you this, father, fathers, actual fathers are magical. And, you know, you don't have to father a child to be their dad. You know what I'm saying? And um, I can tell you this. Today, my social, you know, tomorrow, rather, I know that my social media feed is going to be filled with messages and people posting pictures of their dads that are gone, that are dead. I miss you, dad. I wish you were here, dad. I wish I could hug you, talk to you, whatever. Do it today, because I don't know a single person that hasn't lost their dad, that doesn't regret spending a little bit of extra time with them. But they're tough, right? So, nah, he doesn't need us. But who takes care of the caretaker, you know? It's one of those ones. Happy Father's Day to each and every one of you. You know who you are. Let's take a short break. 
the show the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Those who know, know that before you make any car buying decisions, you need to come and see me. Let's take a short break. If you have something to say, call me, 289-275-9600 is the phone number. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. We are live. We'll be right back. Say it aloud. Use that evidence. Race it around. There goes my hero. Watch him as he goes. When I cross the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways. <laughs> I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, I'm Hansel Grace, and I'm here to let you know that if you want to be my friend, you got to be choked first. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no friendship between us. And you are watching the Greg Carrasco Show. Don't miss it and don't blink it. Man, every time I talk about this, Jacob, I get so angry. <laughs> I do. I, it's impossible to not. But at the same time, I get filled with, with, with hope that, you know, that people would at some point listen to this, what I'm saying, and, and make a little tiny effort. You know, I mean, you're preaching a good message, message, right? I mean, that's as our job in media, it's our responsibility to use our platform to spread uh, to spread messages and, and things that we believe in. And I think you're you're doing that, which is very admirable. You know, we, we try anyways. But, uh, you know, my um, my dad's name was not Israel. His name was Washington Mateo Aguirre. So Carrasco is not my actual last name. It was uh, in Chile when uh, when a when a woman had a child out of wedlock, uh, they were stamped as bastard kids with your mother's last name twice. So my actual name is Gregory Alejandro Carrasco Carrasco. So when going up in school, all the teachers knew that we had no parents, and that. You know, lend ourselves for, to be in an interesting situation, but uh, you know, uh, not ironically, but but intentionally, my first tattoo was about my father, and I have recreated that tattoo that he had of me on my arm. Um, you know, a big, a big hug to him, I guess. Wherever he is. <laughs> What's your dad's name? Paul. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me about him. Oh, man. That's such a... <laughs> well, right now, he's, he's, I can tell you he's not listening to the show because he's off scuba diving. <laughs> uh, five or six years ago, him and my mother went... It was their 25th anniversary, and they went to Bermuda. And he always loved swimming when he was a kid. He was, in, he was always... You know, he did all the swimming lessons. He did the bronze cross, bronze star, whatever it's called. 
he loved the water and uh or, and still does love the water and so right on his anniversary he was in bermuda he's like well where better place to uh, try out scuba diving than right here and he did it and he loved it and for the last five years he has just non-stop scuba scuba dive the the commitment and he does it every weekend it's 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 whether he's going up to tobermory or wherever going to florida or even just doing it here in the gta he'll find somewhere to go with his friends uh and it's been, scuba dive he scuba dives yeah he <laughs> loves it and it's been honestly it's been great to see because my entire life he didn't really have a, a ton of friends and to see him really branch out he's made a ton of friends by doing this uh, really, it's yeah. given him life again and it's been fantastic to see you know it's it's interesting how that works because uh you know one of the very things that i, I knew about my dad is that he fought he fought everybody uh he was um you know he was involved in you know certain things that you know he shouldn't have been but he was a fighter he you know when <laughs> one of the first things that i noticed about him is that uh, one of his legs uh, his thigh muscle it looked like a shark had bitten it off and uh, somebody uh, fired off a shotgun on his leg <laughs> because he got into a fight and somebody brought a shotgun to a fist fight. <laughs> uh, but that was that was just my dad. And, you know, ironically enough, now uh, this is still what I do. Some of my best friends that I have met in my entire life are people that I, you know, we try to kill each other on a daily basis and uh you know a big shout out to all my good friends and good dads out there you know my partner louise my friend derek my friend kurt gary bowman gary bowman has been a father figure and someone that i look up to on a daily basis believe it or not and i hope that he listens to the show all the time but to all the dads in my uh, my work at uh, oakville infinity nissan uh, and you know and for the fear of forgetting someone i don't it's difficult to name everyone that you know but you know the first ones that come to mind is Daniel Yu and he's a, such an amazing dad Tom Kalsby Raj and all these guys uh, they are role models to me and I see them and I you know at some point I want to emulate some of the stuff that they do who knows I may give myself another chance <laughs> what do you think should I populate uh, the, the, should I populate the planet More again Carrasco's out there <laughs> Who knows? I don't know how many Carrascos the world can handle. Uh, you know, there is enough. Uh, I also want to send a, a, a big shout out to uh, to my girl and her dad. Her dad passed, you know, some time ago. Uh, Damien, uh, you know, I wish that he would have been here to see um, how safe his girl is because, um, you know, she is. And this is the sort of thing that men need to carry on. You know, we are honor-based. And uh, once you make a decision, the decision is made. That's it. End of story. You move forward and uh, whatever comes, you know, come what may, we're, we're still there. But now we're going to take a little bit of a um, more, se actually not serious, but more uh, a more terrifying <laughs> turn to the show this morning. Because um, there is someone here that, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to take a break and we're going to have him on the other side of the break. Uh, we have someone that is going to talk to us about this uh, interesting deal that the federal government uh, made with Volkswagen that uh, uh, has the potential to be catastrophic. So Franco Terrazano is going to be here. He uh, He's a member of the Taxpayers Association. And he's going to talk to us about how this deal is already going sideways. Now, if you have something to say, call us 289-275-9600. 
The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. If you want to support the show, go come down and see me at the store. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. And we're back. If you are just tuning in, folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest radio show on weekends. It's crazy how many people listen to the show. And um, just like that, we try to spread a good message, an honest message, you know, something that uh, everyone should take into consideration when you are looking at what to listen to on a Saturday morning. Um, the whole goal of the show is to have an impact. One person, one impact, job is done. If you can make a better decision just by listening to the show, uh, it's, it's, it's all I ultimately want. That's what gets me out of bed every Saturday morning at around five something. <laughs> you know, we start reading, we start preparing. And from time to time, we have people that... Um, that have something important to share. A few weeks back, I was talking about this, um, the federal government uh, putting a bunch of billion dollars into a plant for Volkswagen somewhere in Ontario. And I went up in arms because I don't believe in corporate welfare, especially when it means that we have to take, forcefully take Canadian taxpayer dollars to finance multinational corporations for them to make billions off of us. I never got it. And I've said it before, and I will say it again, and this is while Mr. Franco Terrazano, who is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, is, is, is listening to this. Look, when you have a 53% income tax... You know, if you happen to be a successful person, 53% income tax. And then you add a 13% HST, 66%. And then you add the gas tax and property tax and UIC and CPP and so on and so on. You are paying over 70 cents on every single dollar that you earn. Free health care? Are you kidding me? We are paying through our nose. And here is the problem. Our favorite dictator just happens to be giving away billions and billions of dollars. He's just making it rain out there. Woo! With your dollars and increasing taxes. How 
Are we allowing this to happen? Franco, thank you so much for joining the Carrasco Show this morning. I think that my uh, my introduction to this gives you a pretty good idea where I stand on this subject. Can you tell the audience what is happening with this Volkswagen deal and uh, our you know our favorite person, Justin Trudeau? <laughs> yeah, well, look, the government is going to be giving this multinational corporation, Volkswagen, $16.3 billion. Now, folks, the shovels haven't even hit dirt yet. And the government is already going to be $2.4 billion over budget on what it sold Canadians on the true cost. Okay? Now, corporate welfare is wrong. You have politicians and bureaucrats that couldn't balance the budget of a lemonade stand. And now they want to play investment banker with our tax dollars. That's always wrong. It's the worst type of way to grow the economy. Mm-hmm. But, folks, even just setting aside that point that corporate welfare is wrong, listen to this deal. We're paying $16.3 billion for a $7 billion plant. The cost to taxpayers is more than $5 million for every job. That's insane. Now, how can... Okay, let, please forgive me on this because uh, this is way over my qualification uh, set here. How can the government justify this level of expense and make sense? What sort of logic has been used to drive this... Uh, movement forward? Well, I think there's two. I think the first one is uh, they're trying to say jobs, 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 jobs. Okay. I mean, I look, <laughs> I think everyone needs a job who wants a job, but the problem is, is that the government's rate is putting in red tape, making it impossible for Canadian businesses to really invest and succeed in Canada and hire more Canadian workers. That now it has that now it feels it has to give sixteen point three billion dollars to one multinational corporation. Corporation, who knows how many other corporations are now out there? They're going to be going cap in hand to the government, looking for a multi-billion-dollar handout of their own. Now, the second thing that the government is trying to use to justify this is, well, look, uh, we have to compete worldwide. Well, no, 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 no. We can't compete, and we shouldn't compete with other countries for corporate welfare. And look at the Biden administration wants to woo companies with billions of dollars with its own corporate welfare, we should say respectfully, you know, fill your boots. We're not going to do something silly just because you do it. What we should be doing to compete with other countries is cutting taxes. Because remember, over the last couple of years, the federal government has been raising taxes, while many of our peer nations, many other industrialized countries, more than half of G7, more than half of G20, uh, two-thirds of OECD countries have cut taxes all while our federal government has been raising taxes on families going through a tough time. Well, it, it seems like this this desire to take more from Canadians. You know, as I was saying on in my introduction here, Franco, uh, you know, somebody like me, for example, uh, I I am only thirty percent away from working a hundred percent for the Canadian government. <laughs> how do we justify this, and how does? Canadians as, as, as a country, as a population, put up with this. And this continues to happen day in and day out, but it's under the premise of all this social uh, safety net. But this isn't a social safety net. This is, this is a, a boat with a giant hole that is called the Canadian government, and the money is just pouring out. Do you see an end to this anytime soon? Well, uh, a social safety net for who? Uh, Volkswagen? <laughs> operating profits of last year around $30 billion. Like, are you serious? I mean, look, yeah, pay more Canadians so Justin Trudeau 
can stay in a $6,000 per night hotel room. Pay more Canadians so the Governor General can go on a week-long trip to the Middle East and spend $100,000 almost on fancy airplane food. Pay more Canadians so our federal bureaucrats in Ottawa can give them uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of bonuses every single year, even though they can't meet half of their own uh, performance targets. Pay more, 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 more <laughs> to keep this bloated government afloat. Now, do I see an end to this? Well, yes, because it's only mathematics. I mean, you have to pay the piper. Mm-hmm. The only question is, how much pain are we going to feel? Right? If we continue on this gravy train, when the piper comes in Auckland, it's going to be a huge bill to pay. It's going to be very much uh, economic pain for us. And that's why we've been sounding the alarm for years saying, hey, look, guys, like, there is no way to get around this. Either we uh, stop the fiscal insanity now or it's going to be an absolute huge tab that we're all going to have to pay um, in, in the coming years. You know, one of one of our listeners just sent me a text, and uh, this is what it says. It says, what's worse about the VW deal is that the uh, they have set a precedent, and uh, Stellantis yeah. Chrysler has halted work on yeah. their previously announced plant in Windsor or Sarnia because they feel that they didn't get the same deal as VW. Is this true? Totally. Yes, 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 totally. So the federal government and the Ford government already announced a billion dollars for Stellantis, another multinational corporation. But then Stellantis saw this deal and they're like, no, 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 hold on. We want to cut two, <laughs> right? And now they're threatening to pull the plug on the Windsor factory unless the government ponies up more money. How much money have we given them already? Happen. We've already announced a billion dollars for Stellantis. Right. But this is the problem. I'm so glad your listener brought that up because look at the precedent. Like, do you think it's only us talking about this or looking at this? Of course not. You're going to have every lobbyist, all the big corporations who can afford those lobbyists are going to be in Ottawa looking for a handout of their own. So $16.3 billion, I believe that is the largest single corporate welfare in Canadian history. I might be wrong, but I believe that is correct. But if that's not the whole cost of this, because then you're going to have Stellantis that wants more money. Then you're going to have other big corporations. You know, what, what is the government going to say when Ferrari comes to town? What about Honda? What about other big corporations and other industries that are essentially going to be saying, hey, pony up a bunch of money or we're not going to set up shop? The precedent has been set. And what we need is we need a government and opposition parties to come out against this. Well, unfortunately, it seems like there is no real opposition party anymore because everybody is in bed with everyone. Look at the federal, I mean, the provincial government. I mean, it wasn't they, didn't they become part of this uh, announcement just a little while ago? Oh, yeah. No, no, the Ford government is, is on the corporate welfare train, that's for sure. Um, but look, let's, let's talk about the opposition parties in Ottawa. Okay. We have Mr. Singh, the NDP leader. Oh, please. He's always, railing <laughs> against, he's always railing against so-called corporate greed. Well, why aren't you saying anything about the government giving a multinational profitable corporation $16.3 billion? Right? Like, isn't that something that the NDP should be coming off the bench for, giving a multinational corporation billions and billions and billions of dollars? Well, yeah, but Franco, you know, Franco, you know, Jagmeet Singh is is a sellout. We all know this. You, you know, the, the the Liberal government has gone so far to the left that there is no need for the NDP. You know, the the Liberal government seems to be the Canadian Communist Party. So, you know, why don't we call it for what it is? Now, what's happening with the Conservatives in Ottawa? Because they don't seem to be doing anything anyways. 
Well, that's that's another part of the problem, right? Because the Conservatives, they like to talk about themselves as being the champions of fiscal responsibility. And to give him credit, Mr. Polyev has said a lot of good things, but where is he on this corporate welfare, right? Like, how are you the champion of fiscal responsibility and then really don't come off the bench against a $16.3 billion handout to Volkswagen and potentially billions of dollars more to other corporations? So the NDP on the left aren't saying anything, even though they like to pretend to rail against corporate greed. sorry. And then the Conservatives on the right uh, really haven't come off the bench on this either, even though they like to talk about fiscal responsibility. Well, who's looking out for the taxpayer? Well, hopefully you guys. <laughs> so yeah, how, yeah, well, how yeah, can people get involved, Franco? Talk about it. How can people get involved, oh, Franco, well, in this? Well, I mean, there's a couple things. I mean, the first thing, I think the most important thing for you to do right now before any other corporation uh, gets more money, because uh, it seems like I'm not at the negotiation table, but it seems like Stellantis is trying to get some more money from taxpayers right now as well. So it would really be a perfect time to to blast off an email to your member of parliament saying, hey, uh, you work for me, not big corporations. Come on, stick up for the taxpayer. But how to get involved at, uh, with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation? I mean, the first way to do that is just head over to our website, taxpayer.com. Check out our newsroom, all the work that we're doing, uh, exposing government waste, politicians and bureaucrats running up the tap on your dime. Some good stories there. We also have some petitions that you can sign. Just head over to taxpayer.com. So here is a question for you, and this is something that has uh, uh, I'm curious about it at a personal level. We all see petitions coming through our social media feeds, through our uh, yeah. email feeds. Do they actually work? <laughs> you know, why am I going to sign a petition when this is just an exercise in futility, when nothing will actually happen, whether I sign this petition or not? What actually happens when you sign a petition? Well, there's, there's two things. Um, I would say, yes, it does work. I'll give you two quick examples. Uh, we've been hammering against, you might not even have heard of this, but it's called the Mission Cultural Fund. It was a slush fund at Global Affairs Canada that they were spending, listen to this, folks, I, I have put down your coffee. This is not uh, This is not for the faint of heart. But they spent $12,000 paying seniors in other countries to talk about their sex lives on stage. I swear the government spent more than $12,000 paying seniors in other countries to talk about their first time best time, worst time, last time in front of a live audience. What? Uh, this was the slush fund. This is, yep, I know. It's almost too crazy to believe, but they were spending that money. Uh, we fought against the Mission Cultural Fund and had petitions, had supporters reach, uh, hammer politicians, and they, they uh, scrapped the fund. Okay, so that's a good news story there. Um, we have been pushing back against the Governor General's expenses overseas. Our supporters on that petition list have been hammering members of Parliament, and they've been starting to rein in the crazy amount of spending. So that's one way that petitions help. Uh, they do. But another way is that if, if there's an issue that you care about, if it's carbon taxes, you're against that. If it's corporate welfare, if you're against that. If it's uh, just wasteful spending, like Governor General's uh, billing you $100,000 for airplane food, um, you can sign the petition. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Back, uh, hold on a second, Franco. Franco, back up, back up for a second. Back up for a second. A hundred thousand dollars for air, airplane food by the governor general. Oh. oh, you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, folks. So whenever you hear someone say, "Well, you know, taxes have to be so high because of healthcare," no, 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 no. Taxes are so high because the government's wasting money like crazy. So last year. The governor general and her entourage of 29 people. Why are we sending 29 people? I don't know. But they they racked up 
just under $100,000 on airplane food on a week-long trip to the Middle East, to Dubai 2020, or to Dubai for Expo 2020. Folks, they spend nearly $100,000 racking up expenses for beef wellington with raju, stuffed pork tenderloin, beef carpaccio. That's what we're, they were having on this flight. Hey, um, listen, you know, and then they tried why you, listen, why you steak, man? Oh, dude, it's delicious. So is the carpaccio. So why wouldn't you eat it if you got it for free, right? You know, we're paying for it, so you might as well take advantage. You know, no one is looking after our tax dollars, people, other than the Canadian Taxpayer Federation, it appears that way because the government certainly isn't if you you have an open tap and the money just keeps funneling it out a hundred thousand dollars in airplane food that's a lot of money dude oh it's huge it's huge and then the governor general tries to tell us that oh it's just like normal airline food oh uh what you can't even get beef wellington flavored chips on air canada or WestJet, let alone actual beef wellington so this is this is the um, level of, of extravagance we're we're funding here as taxpayers, folks. Well, the uh, I don't know if I'm happy that I know this information or I'm depressed that I know this information. I, <laughs> I, I haven't made a decision yet on this. Now, how long have you been working with the uh, with the Taxpayer Federation, Franco? Five years. Five years. I was about uh, two and a half years in Alberta. And now I'm uh, almost two and a half years here in Ottawa as our federal director. And uh, in, in these five years that um, that you've been working with the Taxpayer Federation, um, and, and I hate to put you on the spot, but you know, let's do this as a fun exercise. What's one of the most outrageous government expenses that you have seen in these five years? That you know, give me the, the top three that come to mind. Okay, well, uh, setting aside the uh, government funding. Uh, seniors. Oh, for the sex life? To talk about the sex uh. life. <laughs> well, that's an obvious one, right? Uh, okay, here's an. Here's. I mean, like, how does it even get worse than that? Well, uh, it does get worse than that when you're talking about the government. Um, they also paid 8800 bucks for a sex toy show in Germany. And, and, like, you can't even make this up, folks. Your tax dollars, 8800 bucks, funded a sex toy show in Germany. Okay? Um, okay, let me... Like, there's almost too many. There's almost like too many. Okay, here's another one that really irks irks me. Okay, here's another one that irks me. The government has spent, um, you know, more than four hundred thousand dollars studying and promoting research into a home equity tax. Can you believe that? Okay, a home equity tax would mean that when you sell your home, you would have to pay tax on the proceeds from the sale. Okay, and the government is funding research into this type of tax, even though the liberals are saying we're not going to put one in. And and you know what? That would mean so much pain for so many people who are essentially sold the Canadian dream. Work hard your whole life, put money into your home, and use that as a nest egg to fund your retirement. And now the government is taking our money to fund research into how to take more money from you if you sell your home. So that is just uh, an absolute, I think, slaps the face. But let me go with um, the third thing that I heard of. Mm -hmm. So you may have remembered the Peace Act strike that was happening in Ottawa a couple months ago, yep. right? The government employees on strike. Now, we don't know the actual terms and what they ended up getting, but what their union was pushing for, one of the clauses was they wanted more money to work past 4 p.m., not overtime. Just more money when the clock hits 401. Okay. Now, what do most people what do most people in an office job call working past four PM? 
Monday through Friday. But these government bureaucrats wanted more money just to stay in the office past 4 p.m. So those are three examples of just the crazy way that governments waste our money. But aren't we supposed to stay at the office past 4 p.m.? You must be working for the government. <laughs> you used to go home at 4. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, no kidding. That's, that's unbelievable. Now, how... I think that this is brilliant, dude. You know, just squeezing money out of the Canadian uh, government just for fun. Like, how does somebody in Germany get $8,800 to finance a, a, a sex show, show or a sex toy show? How, how do you get into that uh, gravy train? Because I think there's a lot of money there to be had, right? So if everybody's cashing in, how do we get <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't want you to be giving people any ideas. <laughs> so how do people get involved with you guys? How do we make this Taxpayer Federation uh, a bigger, more relevant uh, organization that is going to be looking out for Canadians' uh, little shackles that are very few left after... Uh, uh, the Canadian government's, um, you know, put us through the ringer. How do we get involved? Yeah, well, we're, we're trying to build, you know, uh, the taxpayer army. So uh, head over to taxpayer.com. Um, one of the big ways that you can get involved in, in us is just by getting our emails. We let you know when we're running these different types of taxpayer grassroots camp, uh, pressure campaigns. Um, and you can just go on our site, taxpayer.com. You can click join us and you can just, uh, you know, get on the email list for free. No need to donate. Of course, we appreciate any type of donation because we are not funded, never have, never will be funded a cent from the government. We'll never take that money. Uh, so, of course, we rely on voluntary donations, but we understand times are tough. And, and, and the biggest thing that we really want is just a, um, a huge number of taxpayer advocates who are just sick and tired of the government uh, treating us all like cash cows. What is your prediction in relation to this uh, fiasco Volkswagen deal in, uh, here in, in Ontario? Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Because, you know, if, you, if, if a shovel hasn't hit the ground yet and you yeah. are already two and a half billion dollars over budget, how does that even happen? Like, I mean, how do we calculate a budget of 13... 13 or so billion dollars and then before we even started the project it sounds like my contractors <laughs> like, <laughs> well here's how uh, uh, surprise surprise the uh, Trudeau government wasn't upfront with taxpayers about all the costs no so Lord, hold on a second yeah, what are you no, suggesting Franco that the Canadian surprise government well. is not being honest with us is that what you're saying <laughs> surprise. surprise surprise you know thankfully Thankfully, the parliamentary budget officer, which is this independent budget watchdog, was like, uh, hold on a second. Uh, you're not considering $2.4 or $2 billion plus of the cost that you're going to have to pay to this company, uh, according to what you said. So what do I think is going to happen? Well, if the government is already lowballing taxpayers about $2.4 billion, I, I, I am unfortunately going to say I can't see this deal getting any better for taxpayers, if, if we're only like a couple months in, shovels haven't hit the dirt, um, and, and the government is already $2.4 billion over budget, well, I don't think this is going to be good news for taxpayers. Um, unfortunately, I think other corporations, other lobbyists in, this, in, in Ottawa are going to be looking at this deal and want to hand it to themselves as well. And, and look, um, more corporations are going to be getting uh, buckets of cash if politicians, uh, whether that's within the Liberal Party or whether that's in the Conservatives or the NDP, if they don't say anything. And politicians aren't going to speak out against this type of pork unless the people give them a call or send them an email and say, hey, come on, stick up for us taxpayers. We're watching you here. 
Now, do you think that, I mean, if Chrysler continues to stall or they, they follow through with the promise to stall the construction of the plant in uh, Sarnia or Windsor, do we get our money back? Oh, I would love that. That, would, have, be, that would be great. I mean, that would be best case scenario. <laughs> that would be best case scenario. I mean, look, if you're a profitable company, like I love capitalism. I love true capitalism, right? I love when people put their own uh, money, their own skin in the game uh, to hire their neighbors and, and to grow the economy for the benefit really of everyone. Uh, but this isn't capitalism. This isn't capitalism, right? Big corporations uh, taking money from the government, that's not capitalism. That's wrong. We live in a uh, corporate so oligarchy, Franco. You know this. I know this. Anyone that is paying attention understands this, that we don't have governments running governments. We have corporations in bed with governments that are making all the fo- I mean, that are making all the calls. And ultimately, the government is only a proxy idea to funnel funds from taxpayers into other uh, ventures <laughs> of the uh, of the hyper wealthy, but uh, that Franco, dude, thank you so much for taking some time this uh, glorious uh, Saturday morning. Now, do you have kids, Franco, or uh, not yet? No kids, no kids, not yet. Because I was going to wish you a happy Father's Day, but you know. Anyways, happy Father's Day. Thank you so much. You have an open invitation to come here on the Carrasco Show and spread some some knowledge about to uh, our dollars and where they're going. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the Carrasco Show. I really appreciate that. Have a great weekend and happy Father's Day, everyone. You too, buddy. Thank you so much. That was Franco Terrazano. He's the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayer Federation. And uh, my mind is just blown away, man. I, I I can't believe that this is all. It's not even happening under our nose because it's right in front of our eyes. We see it. This is all happening. No one's doing anything. And remember that those who don't care about politics, leave it to those who do. So your apathy is only driving us farther down into the hole. And since we have already cut open the uh, golden goose of Canadian taxpayers, I don't know. It's not looking good, folks. Florida is looking mighty, hot, and sunny. Maybe your dad will love some scuba diving up in Florida. He was just know? there a yeah. couple weeks ago. It's paradise over yeah, there. Man. It. It's paradise I mean, he over there. He was in Key West. Whew, never been there, but uh, I've been to Naples, Florida. Actually, Naples, Florida is so much nicer than Naples, Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Napoli is terrible, folks. If you're going to Italy, don't go to Napoli. I challenge anyone to challenge me on that one. Now, on the other side of the hour, we have one of my very, very dear friends, Michael Rock. That's a cool name that you have, Michael. Michael Rock. Uh, he is my money wizard and he's going to be talking to us about all sorts of different things that will expand your understanding of wealth and money the show is brought to you by oakville nissan and oakville infinity we're going to take a short break and money mike is on the other side of the hour we'll be right back after the break What's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasso Show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasso Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At 
Greg Carrasco Trending Twitter like a bomb Tens of thousands on his lawn He's even followed by your mom What? Broadcasting live Here is your warning The topics are flowing Every Saturday morning Car talk like Sherlock The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock Movie talk on the boardwalk Shoot facts like a tomahawk So entertaining Turn up the station There's no more waiting The show is beginning It's too late to escape Let's go Here's your host Greg Carrasco. I've been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And those who know, they just know that my money sage, my money professor, is in the house. You know, we all have people that we look up to for advice. We all have people that we look up to for guidance. You know, for our health, we go to our family doctor. For our teeth. I go to Dr. Benderi. Dr. Benderi, Dr. Benderi, Dr. I met this dude. He's a dentist. He is one cool dude. That's okay, Mike. I forget. I forgive you for your phone being on. Dr. Benderi, Dr. Benderi, Dr. He's a cool dude. Love the hair. Straight up. They don't make me wait. Reasonably priced. Good dentist. I'm about to get a bunch of stuff done. You know, for my jujitsu, I I have a couple of people that I look up to. You know, obviously, my partner, Luis, Luis Costa, happy Father's Day, hermano. Professor Dave Dabrzinski, happy birthday, you know, happy Father's Day to you also. Professor Toma, the shaved dolphin, he's a beautiful man. Happy Father's Day to you too. That's for my jujitsu, right? But then for my money, I didn't have a sage and then Money Mike came along and he publicly shamed me on my money ways <laughs> you know I, I'll tell you this folks yesterday I was having a conversation with him you know because you know we're making some moves and uh, it's important that you do this stuff because if you don't uh, and you wait until your 60s and 65 it's too it's never really too late but it is kind of too late to start um and I said to him, I was having a vulnerable moment, and he chuckled, and I was so hurt by it. Oh, I was, you hurt my feelings yesterday, I and did. I don't have a lot of feelings. Yeah, I did, and yeah. and and the chuckle was not meant the way you interpret it. The chuckle was, you have no idea how unnecessary that is, well, because <laughs> because you you deserve so much credit <laughs> that you don't give yourself. Well, either you way, you know, I, I, I was telling him that uh, uh, when, whenever I'm trying to do something that is important or something that is responsible, because that's not what I usually <laughs> I usually have. I said to him, you know, I every time I, something like this happened, I, I all I want is just to make you proud. It's a weird thing, but you know, he's he's held my hand when it comes to my finances, and uh, he holds me accountable to my BS. And you, we all need. 
that person in our lives and every aspect of our lives. I need somebody to hold me accountable to my relationships. I need somebody to hold me accountable to my children. And then I needed somebody to hold me accountable to my finances. So I'm having this vulnerable moment and I tell him, you know, all I want is to make you proud. And I hear <laughs> and the other side is like, what the hell? This is, this is why <laughs> my, my financial is just laughing at me. And I'm and here I am, I'm, you know, feeling emotional driving to work. And it's like, oh, dude, you just that's it, man. This you, is why you don't you, have important you, conversations over the phone. You cut me deep. You don't have it over the phone. <laughs> you have these things in person. You know, I, and I tell this to my kids. Don't text this stuff because they're not going to be able to understand body language and nuance and emotion behind what you're saying. They're just going to read the words. So it's okay. It's, it was, uh, I, I was my apologies. A, I was having a pathetic moment. Man. My, I, don't, no, I, don't, no. I, don't, I don't blame you for, you know, chuckling. But no, that's my bad. That's my bad. That's I he did uh, redeem himself, though. He sent me a, a nice text afterwards saying, ah, dude, you know, I, I guess we were a different, you know, you have different energies during the day, right? Yep. And, and I was having a moment. So when I called you, I was having a moment for making some good decisions. And then you you were a different spot during your day. Oh. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I still, I still, I stand by what I said to you yesterday. Whenever, uh, you know, if, if I ever find myself in a position in which I can say, you know what, this time I can stop working and um, we're good to go. Um, all I want is for that moment for you to feel, you know, pride in all the work that you have put into me. Because I was at, just because you grow up poor and then you make money doesn't mean that you appreciate money. In fact, it has the opposite effect because we had no instruction. Right. You know, and you think that you never know if you're going to have this money again. And guess what you do with it? You spend it. Enjoy oh, it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You enjoy it. Because, you know, when you don't know when the next meal is coming from, you enjoy that bread sandwich <laughs> in, in ways that you couldn't possibly enjoy. And, and one of the things I've always appreciated about you, because I, I've known a lot of people over the years exactly in that circumstance, that they never had anything. But typically, the ones who I know who never will have anything. Mm-hmm. The phrases I hear out of their mouth, mouth most commonly are, I've earned it mm-hmm. and I deserve it, mm-hmm. which is how they're justifying in their head, I'm going to blow my money uh, be, just because I'm not going to ever make a. I have never heard those words out of your mouth. Well, it's because I don't think I deserve anything. I think that... Uh, which is why I know you you continue to build the way you're building. Because well, you don't think you deserve. I, I think that I hold myself responsible for everything. You know, everything is my fault. I don't deserve anything. And yeah. when I look at it that way, you know, believe it or not, you may say, oh, you know, you, why are you being so hard on yourself? No, 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 no. That's not the reason why I do it. It's because if it's not my fault and I deserve it, guess what? I, I, I'm a victim of the world. The world is something that happens to me. You know, I, I deserve this, but I didn't get it. It's not my fault that somebody else's. It's not my fault as the system. No. The moment that I hold myself responsible for everything that happens in my life is the moment that I also take empowerment and say, I, if everything is my fault, then I can actually have an impact on, on everything that I do. Okay. So I, I try to look at the world that way, but, you know, it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes, when you, especially when you look at the taxes that come out of your pay every day. And yeah. I mean, talking to Franco. Oh, that was blood boiling, that entire yeah. conversation. 
I try to add some levity to blood boil boiling <laughs> conversations because we have to do that here. Yeah. But the fact that the government just keeps taking money that we don't have because this is future taxation. Yep. Am, am I wrong with this? No, right? Well, I mean, the evidence of that has been all around us for decades. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's there's not a lot of good examples of it. But I have been saying for literally a decade, why is it that our last recession, our last negative economic experience was after the 2008 financial crisis, save perhaps the European debt crisis and the fiscal cliff issue in the U.S. in the summer of 2011. That was really our last negative time. Why is it we have a decade solid of positive economic times, and yet we still have ultra-low interest rates, and the government is running massive deficits? And then we run into post-COVID, where now we're having massive interest rates and massive deficits. When is When are the times ever good enough to do government leadership responsibly well i mean we all I've, I've known this for a very long time i mean the the purpose of the government once elected is not to fulfill the promises that they made during the election time it is just simply to remain in power yep. that's the only role of the government how many votes can i buy yes with and, every and, action? and when you get into power and you find a way to buy as many votes with your money because believe it or not, whether you have a conservative government or a liberal government, they will use your money yeah. to buy votes. I mean, we saw it in the last election, you know, right before CERB, remember? Yeah. You know, everybody got a nice check of $2,000, at least the people that were not working, right? Because right. the people that worked, they don't $2,000 doesn't mean anything. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, we have another election going the way of the person that was giving the money away. Yeah. Are we that naive? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. I hate to say this, but you are right. They do it because it works. Uh, it's, just, it's just insanity to me. But uh, You know what I would love? I, I mean, I know we're, we're not going to spend the whole time talk, talking politics, but I'll throw this out there. I would vote five times mm -hmm. in a single election mm -hmm. for the person who stepped up for prime minister and said, I am running for office. And I'm going to be a one-term prime minister. I'm going to do what I think is right for the people because I'm not running for re-election. I'm not trying to buy anyone's votes. When this four, five, three and a half year term is up, I'm out. Interesting. So I will answer to no one but the Canadian people and the public opinion for the job that I've done. That's that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, concept, um, and I think that would echo that and maybe build on that by saying that we would never be able to elect an honest politician. Yeah, because we hearing the truth is one of the most overrated statements that uh, we all have. Uh, tell me the truth. No, you don't. You don't want to hear the truth. You think you want to, but you don't. Um, are we going to cut your services? Yes. <laughs> Am I going to raise your taxes? Yes. Okay. Out. Yeah. You just lied to us. You know. And, and I don't even think it would have to. It, it, in fact, I literally don't think those things are necessary. I think uh, cut services. Yes. I think in the end, when you say people don't want to know the truth, I think we have a system here in Canada that there are so many people and groups that are dependent on, on the, the government. on the government handout 
that if the government actually said, I'm going to be fiscally responsible and only spend money the way the government's supposed to, there are so many organizations and, and people in the country that depend on the government overspending to keep getting their share that they would just crumble if they didn't get it. You would have chaos, yeah, for it, sure. It abs- I mean, what, what's what's the deficit this year? Something like sixty billion dollars. It was twenty five back in the, the mid twenty teens when everything was going swimmingly well. So now it's it's sixty billion. How much of that is handing out to to organizations and in groups throughout the country that yeah, special interest groups? They, yeah, for sure. they need that money to survive. If the government actually said, you know what, it's the people's role to fund you, not not mine. That's that's fascinating stuff. But, uh, you know, we I was looking at all the things that you wanted to talk to me about. But uh, what this is what I want to do. I want to take a short break, uh, Jacob. And uh, we need to catch up because we haven't really talked in a while. And a lot that's of things true. have happened since uh, since last time I saw you. Yeah. Uh, folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Before you make any car buying decisions, you need to come and see me because uh, you know better. And uh, if you have not heard from your financial advisor for the last year, huh? And uh, the only time that they call you is when they want more money from you. Maybe the time has come for you to um, make a make a move. Uh, money Mike, you can find him on moneymike.ca. You can call him on 905-320-6762 after the show. We need to repeat that every time. But if you want to talk to him live, 289-275-9600 is the phone number. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. The show is also being broadcasted video live on Facebook, on our website, and everywhere else. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here. And you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. Mike Robitaille here, and I'm just your basic, mediocre, former NHL player. And speaking of mediocre, here he is, The Greg Carrasco Show. And we're back. That's if you just tuned in, you're listening to the Great Carrasco Show. We're Canada's largest radio show on weekends. And Canada's largest automotive radio show. We don't talk cars, man. <laughs> we don't. We stopped <laughs> talking cars a long time ago. And you know, every time I talk cars, the phone just blow up, right? People like to talk about cars. I don't know why that is. By 2008... Toyota Corolla. <laughs> I wonder, when do I change the oil? Does it make any difference if it's 6,000 kilometers or 6,200? <laughs> yeah, it gets a little boring. But uh, with me is uh, Money Mike, my uh, my personal financial advisor. If you need to reach Money Mike because you're smart like me, uh, you can find him on moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. If you have any questions you can, and you want to talk to him in studio, you can call 289-275-9600. 
Mike, since last time I saw you, my life has changed dramatically, dude. Th- this is what I hear. Rumors of uh, Rumors. some temporary <laughs> insanity turn, turned in the right direction. Um, You're engaged. I, I am, yeah, I am. That's fantastic. I, um, I feel uh, my resolve is, is strong. I think that, um, you know, it's, uh, it was time. You know, uh, she's been in my life for one way or another for the last 10 years or so. And I think that... Um, there was a lot of things that I intentionally wasn't seeing. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, my my intentional temporary blindness has been lifted. So I can I can see a little bit clearer now. But no, it was, uh, um, you know, she's wonderful to me. Uh, she's wonderful for me. And uh, the setting in which I decided to do it was pretty uh, was pretty cool. Hot, tough to beat. Yeah. That's, that's it, a pretty it, romantic uh, trip you're on. I, I'm not a very romantic person, but I figure it was a beautiful setting. Uh-huh. And uh, the Amalfi Coast is just unbelievable. It's, uh, it's busy, but uh, there is not a single place that is not anything more than ethereal. <laughs> it's, uh, it's idyllic. It's like paradise over there. Nice. Um, the, the one place that I was surprised with and I was not happy with it was Napoli. Napoli is not a nice place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard about this before, but uh, I haven't heard. I mean, obviously, I've heard of Napoli, but no, I had not heard. Of yeah, some of those not guys. not good, oh. not good. Uh, but uh, we, um, yeah, we climbed Vesuvius. That yeah. was that was pretty that was pretty cool. But you were you were going to uh, England and France for a little while, no? Yeah, we did some time in London and Paris. Celebrated our twentieth anniversary. Dude, we that's a long time, man. Yeah, that's what my wife says. Yeah, um, <laughs> too long. You know, yeah, <laughs> she says that too. <laughs> yeah, I met you when you had just started dating her. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, that's crazy. How long you've been in my life, man? That's right. That's, yeah, like literally. Yeah, literally. literally, it was that exactly at that time. She should we talk about how we met? Oh. Huh? Jacob, I mean, this is an interesting story, man. And uh, then we got, we have to get okay, into finance. Okay. okay. But uh, folks, you know, when I when I first met Mike, uh, he was a, he was a, a very good friend of my ex-wife. And uh, I started to date my ex-wife and uh, just a, a month afterwards, she said, Greg, there's something I need to tell you. And I said, what's that? She says, uh, you know, when I was single and uh, I... I I planned for a trip with a good friend of mine to Europe for a, f- a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I said, excuse me? You, <laughs> you're going to Europe for two weeks with a dude? And we with just date with a dude. <laughs> and we just started to date. Ah, oh, dude. So we started, <laughs> we started planning the trip. I want to say January, February. You uh, guys started dating in April. April. Yeah, March, April. Yeah. And, and Andrea and I started dating in May. So we spent a lot of time that summer, the four of us, hanging out together to make Greg and Andrea comfortable with the fact that Nancy and I were going to Europe together. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That was... Uh, we never let that down, for sure. During the entire marriage, we never let that down. And, uh, you know, every time I wanted to get into my ex-wife's nerves, I would play uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart because apparently that's the song that they were listening to, driving to the Alps together, holding hands. <laughs> that was mine and Nancy's song. The little, the little Clio we drove, and we don't know the languages around here, so the radio stations were of no use to us. We stop at a gas station. They sell literally cassette tapes. And we're like, we, we saw one where it was all North American songs. We bought it, and, and that was the uh, the theme song for the rest of the trip, Totally Clips of the Heart. That was the theme song. But, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough that uh, I was allowed to keep Mike in the divorce so he's still with me. 
<laughs> I, I kept you both. Come on. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that is true. That is true. You guys are still very good friends. I mean, you know, in, I always found it like so silly that uh, you know couples get divorced and then you have to split the friends. Like, what the hell? What's go- what's what is this? You know, don't pick side, folks. That's not nice. It doesn't matter what somebody did. That's their problem. Yeah, that's their problem. You know, they're both your friends, just to remain friends. It's tough enough to get divorced. You know, it's even tougher to lose half the friends in the, in the process and families and all that sort of thing. It's not nice. Nobody needs a judgment. They need, un- they need to understand. Yeah, they need support. Sure. You know, we're there for you. You know, whatever your problems are your problems and so on. But, yeah. uh, you know, we have managed to stay good friends, you know, for such a long time. And I'm grateful for that. Now, uh, you know, my life is, uh, is doing a full, you know, turnaround. And, uh, you know, my girl and I are living together and I've, we are l- certainly looking forward to embrace my th- my third act because yeah. I'm on my third act now uh, and um, you know just make good decisions that's all you know we, we have 50 years of ex- practical experience to, to make better decisions and uh, I trust that I've learned a couple of things along the way I better <laughs> oh I'm gonna have I don't wanna push the reset button again <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh no. no. So oh, no. you know, going back to, to finance, yeah. um what is happening with this uh, surprise interest rate hike? Oh, from last week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as exactly as you labeled it, it was a surprise to everybody, right? Where is it at now? So prime rates now four and three quarters. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's uh, sorry. I should say that the bank rate, the overnight rate, is four and three quarters, which means prime is six point nine five. Six point nine five prime rate. Um, you know, it, it caught a lot of us by surprise, but probably shouldn't have because, of course, it's all about inflation, right? And inflation was coming down strong. We were, what was it, six point six point three at the end of the year, yeah, and then month by month. 6.3 down to 5.9, down to 5.2, down to 4.3 in Woo! March. We're like, all right, this is going well. And and uh, our our people at uh, the investment management side were saying, yeah, it's not 4.3, but that's the 12-month rolling average. Really, inflation's at 2.5% right now. Yeah. So inflation is solved. And then April, it goes from 4.3 to 4.4. And you go, oh, wait a minute. That's... Not That's good. not a not a big increase, but it, it used to be going sharply the other direction. Uh, I didn't see May's numbers yet. I'm not even sure if they're out yet because, of course, this is Canada. It takes you know four weeks to get the numbers from from four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the expectation is clearly, and this is why the government's raised rates. The May numbers are going to be worse. So if inflation's creeping back up again, the government is is impatient, saying, "I'm not. I don't want to wait for all these old interest rate increases that we worked in to to kind of work their way through the system. Uh-huh. We got to act now. We got to get interest rates higher. It's not going to affect now. It's going to take another year, fifteen, eighteen months before these this the impact is felt. Yeah, is felt. Yeah, for sure, for and, sure. And so now they're saying not only did did rates go up last week, but they're probably going to do the same in July. I, I love preemptive. We're making a decision down the road, regardless of information we receive in between. But that's, that's awesome. typical from the government. Though. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's so. amazing. Now, how you know how does that impact the, the the housing? I mean, you know what's going on in housing right now? Housing is insane. Housing still, and I've been saying this for fifteen years. Housing makes no sense. Okay, explain. So, 
housing was hitting all time high prices beginning of 2022. Yeah. Right. February, March, they, they hit their all time highs. Right now, housing is anywhere, depending on where you live, 10 could be 15% lower than where it was at the beginning of 2022. Mm-hmm. And housing is less affordable than it was back then. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter that it's 10 or 15% cheaper because mortgage rates shot through the roof. So it's, it's even harder for someone to afford a house. Mm-hmm. Now, what's happening? May numbers for real estate, first time in two years since June of 2021, that housing sales have increased year over year. So now housing sales are going up, which is supporting higher housing prices. And and housing prices are already primarily being supported by the fact that there's so little inventory out there. If you want to buy a house, you don't have a lot of choices. So all of that is keeping housing prices up, despite the fact that it's got tremendously less expensive. Mm. Right. So every time interest rates go up by a quarter point, it costs the homeowner $16 per 100000 on their mortgage. So, you know, you got a half million dollar mortgage, there's an extra $80 a month in a mortgage payment. Now, maybe you go, oh, that doesn't sound too like bad. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot. Except that there's been 14 quarter point increases over the last year and a half. They've only done nine interest rate increases, but some of them were half and three quarter point. Yep. But, but there have been 14 increases of a quarter point in total. Over that year and a half, so fourteen times. So let me understand. Eighty dollars a month. So do you you say that housing makes no sense? Yep. Uh, is it still a good idea to invest in properties right now? No. Why? Because of math. You know me. I'm a math guy. It doesn't math out. Hmm. When when unless you are sitting on a massive amount of cash. And can can uh, buy a house for cash or, or need very little borrowed money. Most people are not in that boat. Mm-hmm. To buy a house today and to have it majority mortgaged mm-hmm. at these interest rates, the economics just don't make sense. As much as rental costs have gone up tremendously, mm-hmm. you cannot buy a house and rent it out and have the rent cover the cost of owning the house. Like, not even close. Like, by far... You are underwater. If you have to buy a million-dollar home with 5% down, Mm -hmm. your mortgage payment is close to $6,000 a month. Do you think you can rent that three-bedroom townhouse for $6,000 a month? There isn't a lot of people that can afford a $6,000 a month rent, and the ones that do, buy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the ones who are, are in the market to buy, I would advise, and my suspicion is, they're staying away. Because I can rent for twenty eight hundred, thirty five hundred a month. This mortgage is going to cost me six thousand, and most of that is interest. No, not a good idea. And, eh? and so everyone's talking about this this coming recession, right? Yeah. When's it going to happen? Some people say end of this year. Some people say we're in the middle into of it. next year. <laughs> well, I mean, till it's declared, right? And yeah. it's always backward looking. But I mean, people have been calling for a recession since the beginning of twenty twenty one. We're two and a half years in; it still hasn't happened. Fine, it's coming. You want to say it's coming? I won't argue the point. I'm I'm, I'm not an economist. I, I won't waste my time predicting. But when that comes, and these interest rate increases that the government's still putting in place, eventually it's going to cause serious economic harm to force us into a recession. At that time, 
the government's going to say, oh, things aren't going well economically. We're going to help out the economy by lowering interest rates. But guess what has to happen first? The economy has to be harmed. Yeah. And when that harm comes and, and government has openly said what we need to happen is for unemployment to rise. We need more Canadians unemployed. Why? That's, that's going to help. The, well, it's going to take inflationary pressure off. Can you imagine a government saying the best thing for our country is if people lose their jobs? Well, but in, on the other side, they're spending $16 billion to protect jobs. Yeah. Or so they say. Yeah. Well, fine. So it's speaking fine. from both sides of the mouth. But, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I think that uh, we, we need to take a short break. And then we're going to talk about... Revisiting your financial plan because mm. I need to do that. Yes. Um, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Money Mike is with me in the house. If you have any questions about your finances, call me 289-275-9600 is the phone number. We're going to be right back after the break. Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons, and now we have to listen to this guy? My name's Lily, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show! You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest radio show on weekends. And uh, my financial advisor here, my personal financial advisor, Money Mike, is with me in the house talking about monies and interest rates and all those boring things that we try to make exciting for you to listen to. Look, just because you don't like to listen to financial stuff, it doesn't mean that it's important. And ultimately, it's going to make all the difference as to whether you can enjoy some sort of peace in your life when you're old and decrepit. And your little carcass can't take any more work because we're all headed there, whether you like it or not. Then the decisions that you make today, I should listen to my own advice. Eh? I should, I should <laughs> definitely listen to my own advice. And the decisions that you make today are the ones that you're either going to regret or thank yourself for 20, 25, 30 years from now. And I, folks, I can tell you, man, it goes fast. I have to share this with you, man. It would take 30 seconds, believe me. So I went to the dispensary the other day because I, you know, I like to, uh, you know, have some CBD in my system to fall asleep. It helps me. I know it's a crush. Who cares? You just, whatever, indulge me. So I'm there just buying some CBD and the lady at the counter, uh, now this is how immediately after I came back from, uh, from, from Italy and my beard was big, like bushy white beard because my beard started to go white in my twenties. So I'm there with my, with my girl and we're paying and the lady says to me, uh, sir, do you qualify for young man discount? And, and my computer process immediately. 
Like, damn you, you're calling me a senior. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> so they have, they have a young, you know, we took quotation marks, young men discount for people over 55. I said, oh, dude. So I immediately went home and just trimmed my beard right off, man. I had to do uh, well, it. Well, yeah, my dad, that, that was his milestone <laughs> moment was when he could get the discount at Shoppers Drug Mart. It's 55, it's right? 55, yeah. So oh, last no, year was dude. his 55th. He became eligible for I that. I am 10% of my life away from that, folks. Don't insult me that way. <laughs> oh, no. That made me feel terrible. It did. Just like making financial decisions when Mike is not around. You know, I'm going through my financial statement right now, and I have to present it to somebody. And it's like, oh, good God. I hope that Mike doesn't see this. <laughs> I shame myself all the time. I mean it. But there was a little uh, article on Forbes um, just a little while ago to talk about the 10-step financial workout to improve your financial health. Uh, what was the name of the guy? Andrew Rosen. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's go quickly through this. Yeah. I, I know this This is an easy read. So go go through the plan with me, please. We might as well. I mean, this, this is a time that you have to revisit. I mean, whether or not we're going to be headed into a recession, um, whether or not you have a big mortgage and these interest rate changes affect you, things are going on in the economy. And this is a really good time to, to sort of step back and say, where am I at? And, and, and how is everything going? So, you know, a simple exercise, which I guarantee most people don't do, just to start yourself out, check the cash balance in your bank account every day for a month. Huh? <laughs> Check it out. See what it's doing. Get reconnected to your cash flow. Is there more coming in that's going out? You know, are all the charges that are showing up and coming out of the bank account what I expect them to be? Um, just get reconnected. It's so easy to flash the plastic and pay no attention to the details. I think that that is an intentional and is by design to desensitize you from spending money. Yep. Because I tell you, if you let's say that you you're lucky, right, and you take a thousand dollars of cash from the bank machine, and banks are making it more and more difficult for you to get access to your cash. Yes, you know, if you need any more than three thousand dollars cash, they make you wait like two or three days yeah. just to see if you cool off and you don't want it anymore. But if you have a thousand dollars cash and you you literally have to start counting money to pay for things, if it, it hits you differently, there is literally a psychological. It, it causes physiological pain to spend cash they've they've done the research they know it does it causes pain to spend cash flashing the plastic you don't even pay attention you know maybe what would, what i should do like for fun yeah. just one month leave all the plastic at home remove my wallet from my uh, iphone and uh, just have what i allow myself to spend cash in my wallet yep Give it a try. Yeah, and once I run out, I run out. That's it. Give it a try. Lattes included. That, I mean, that that used to be what what, what uh, they some did, people yeah. called the envelope system, right? Yeah. I put the money in the the grocery envelope. I put the money and and I have all these bills. And you know, they get to the I don't know twenty fourth of the month, and they go to the grocery envelope and go, oh, there's only this much left. This is all we can spend. No, I mean, I'm not suggesting that's a way to live, but. It used oh, why to would work. you do that when you can borrow the money at thirty percent? Oh my god, it's so yeah, easy. It's easy, <laughs> so easy. So check check your balance every day. But you know, every, maybe say every quarter, examine what your cash is doing in the bank. We're finally at a position where banks are paying interest again, mm-hmm. but still, the number of people that I talk to say, "Oh, I've got this money sitting in an account. It's making one percent." 
Interest rates are 5% right now. They are. What do you mean you're earning 1% on your cash and you have a lot of cash? Like 4% on a lot of cash adds up. Now, I'm not going to get into the argument of what should we be doing with cash and inflation eating. But the, the fact is, if you have cash sitting there, it should be earning 5 and not 1. So, you know, every quarter, just take a look around and make sure that the cash you have is earning what it should be. Okay, this this is not going to make you rich, but it's going to make a difference in the long run. You know, this is uh, the, the point number three is the one that uh, I learned the hard way. And mm-hmm. ever since I got involved with you, that I pay a very, very close attention to this. What is it? Number three, check your credit cards. Check them weekly to see if the charges that are showing up on your credit card are yep. what you expect them to be. Because, I mean, identity theft and everything else is a concern, but also it connects you with your spending. So check it once a week to make sure the charges that are they're showing up online are, are the way they're supposed to be. Look at your credit card statement when it comes <clears> in. <throat> and especially if you're somebody who carries credit card balances. And yes, I have to shame you. Stop doing that. We got to get out of it. We got to create a plan that that's no longer the case. You know, I got into the habit of, you see, you can't have savings if you have credit card debt. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yep. Um, and I got into the habit of just paying them off every month. Yeah. And uh, number one, it's amazing what it does to your credit rating. For sure. It's amazing what it does. You know what I do? Uh, we had a competition at the office. Like all my managers, we had a competition of who would have the highest- um, Credit limit? Credit, no, the highest credit score. Oh, credit Not score. Limit, yeah, okay. The, the yeah. highest credit score. And uh, it's amazing what happens to your credit score when you- Check for credit, like when you go and try to buy something, and they, they call it the beacon score, right? Right. Um, but um, at one point, I pushed it to 879. You know, the highest is 900, right? Nice. Um, but then, because I, I, I bought a property and so on and so on, it just drops. But very quickly, you can fix it, you know, if you keep your balances up. But I, I got into the habit of over, overpaying my credit cards. Interesting. So I had a balance, and I would use only the balance that was left. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I don't know if it's cool or not, but... <laughs> it's better than the alternative, right? Yeah. It's better than the alternative. And, and you know, when I went through cash flow exercises, there was a lot of clients over the years, I would, I would get to their budget and they would, they would actually budget $1,200 a month on Visa, $2,000 a month on MasterCard. And I would say... Why? Visa and MasterCard are not an expense. I'm like, well, that's just what the average bill is. It's like, mm-hmm. What are you putting on the credit card? Yeah, I know. What does that twelve hundred and two thousand? What is it comprised of? Those are the things that should be in your budget. Not, uh, you know, it's, it's it's cash flow management using credit cards. When the bill comes in, you should pay it off. But what are you spending it on? I have a question for you. Okay. Best practices. Yeah. How many credit cards somebody should have? You know, honestly, as long as you're paying them off all the time, it doesn't really matter. I have four. Okay. I, have, I have one for my business. Yeah. I have uh, an Amex that I put all of my personal business expenses, not my corporate business, but my personal business expenses on. And then I have a MasterCard that I put all of my personal expenses on. And then I have a Visa just for those times when they don't accept one or the other. The mm. Visa typically never gets used. So it's not uncommon to have two or three credit cards. No. Nope. You know, depending on their usage, right? Not at all. For me, it's just, it's about accounting. I yeah. keep them separate because if, when I'm doing my books at the end of the year, yeah. I don't want to have to check all three credit cards for, for what did I spend that's, that's deductible. I just go to the one. 
they're all itemized there because I only use the one for my deductible. Expenses. I wish I was that organized. I'm not. Oh, well, that's why I, I, I do for, it. I forget. I'm not organized either. Dude. I do my finances at the end of the year and I've got these massive piles of receipts. I got to connect up with stuff. So I had to do that to make disorganization more palatable. Mm. But having multiple credit cards is not a problem. Carrying a balance on any single credit card is a problem. So, oh, yeah, that's a big problem. You know, I, I I know that a friend of mine once went through their entire university with their credit card maxed out. They would pay their minimum every month, which would almost be entirely interest. Yeah. And then every now and then when they wanted to spend money, they'd look and go, oh, I've got $60 of room on my credit card so I can yeah. spend $60. I've come across those people, you know, in my life. But, you know, the interesting thing yeah. is that I have a really cool um, Amex. Is, okay. is it's a platinum Amex. Yeah. Uh, it's not a credit card. It's a charge card. Yeah. And if I don't pay it at the end of the month, they charge me 30% month. Actually, it's 38% monthly. But it forces me to pay it off. Because if I don't. Yep. Huge If penalty. I don't. Huge penalty. If I had a $10,000 balance, I ha- guess what? I'm paying 3800 bucks at the end of the month. Eek. Now, it forces me to do it. Now, but the benefits on this thing is just... <laughs> <laughs> and it's heavy. You know, is that worth something, Jacob? You know, that it's you pull heavy. out a heavy credit card, boom, you just drop it's metal. It uh, definitely feet. seems like a flex to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, just a flex. flex. It's just absolutely. I'm just curious, what, 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 what kind of benefits? Uh-huh? I'm just curious, what kind of benefits? Uh, okay. Just name one. Uh, you Ego. Know, Ego is ego, definitely ego, uh, yeah, yeah. flex, flex, uh, uh, looks, clout. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, one time I'll tell you this. One time, uh, this is gonna sound very extravagant. So please, just you know, don't, sure, don't, sure. don't, please, don't, don't, don't no judge, judge me. Okay? No judge. So I'm in, I'm in Egypt. <laughs> uh, the the place that I thought I had rented out right outside the pyramids it looked so amazing on Expedia but when I got there it had been blown up by a suicide bomber some time prior to that so the place was a disaster I got out of the hotel I got attacked by somebody like I, I got assaulted right outside the hotel and the place was it was dangerous like I didn't know what to do I you know I can get by in Arabic because I can speak a little bit but not nearly enough to keep me out of trouble. Um, I went for a camel uh, tour around the pyramids and I got extorted and the guy dropped me off in a place that was just not good. It says, how much money you have? Because the tour ends here if you don't pay me. Uh-huh. So I got back to the hotel and I think, I'm in danger, dude. This is not a good place. So this credit card has an actual concierge system. So I called them up and I said, guys, I need to be out of here. Get me out of here. So within two hours, there was a black limo outside of my uh, hotel. They picked me up and they took me to downtown Giza at the Four Seasons and they kept me there. And I had to do nothing. They organized everything for me. Now, talk about benefits, dude. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay. That is, a, that is the Amex Platinum. And they, they're, they're not cheap, but I can tell you this. They are phenomenal. When it comes to customer service, Amex is unbeatable. Visa, they, nobody cares. But yeah. anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, okay. that, so let's move on to number three. <laughs> let's move on to number three. Credit cards, uh, check them. Get in touch with what you're putting on them. Please try to put less on it. Make sure you pay it off when the bill comes. Awesome. Out. All right, number four. Make sure the investments are moving with the markets. Okay. Markets have been volatile for the last three, three and a half years, up and down all the time. And I will often have 
I don't want to say newer investors, but investors with without a lot of experience coming to me, and they think that the investment world, we all have inside track. We know mm-hmm. what companies are going to move, and we're going to be able to play the game. You and move, don't. Move them all around and outperform everybody. And if, if somebody had that ability, they'd be sitting on a yacht in the Bahamas running their business from their laptop an hour and a half a day. They're not making money for you. They're making <clears throat> money for themselves. That creature doesn't exist. But where you have to be concerned is when the markets are going up and your investments are not. Or if the markets are going down and yours are going down a lot more. You have to understand what's going on in the markets and make sure your investments are in tune with that. Over over longer periods of time, the markets are going to do tremendously well for everybody. But make sure your portfolio is in tune with that. So check the investments. Number five, check your retirement accounts monthly and make sure you're contributing to them according to your plan. Mm-hmm. Right? If we've created a financial plan that says this is what you've got to do to, to build the wealth that you want to have, just Check them monthly and make sure everything's going according to plan. And and if something isn't, if, if you planned on making some level of contribution you're not making, check back and figure out how do I get myself back on course. If we're doing the things we do on a month-to-month basis, the years will take care of themselves. You know, take you watch the pennies, the pounds will take care of themselves. <clears throat> Number six, check your mortgage balance monthly and just watch it fall. This is a psychological thing. This is, I, I know it's so boring. My mortgage is 25 years. What the hell am I going to do changing it and checking it monthly? You're going to get a little bit of psychological benefit seeing that balance come down month after month. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a reinforcement that I'm doing positive things. I'm moving in the right direction. Can you pay additional money into a mortgage? What is the maximum that you're allowed to be to pay on a monthly basis? It depends on the institution. Uh, they'll allow you to pay, depending on which one you have your mortgage with, 10 to 20% annually of the original balance. Yeah, They'll let you increase your payments or, or make additional, like double up a payment in mm-hmm. a month, increase your payments 10 or 15% every year. Um, there's a lot of ways you can alter your, your payments. Sometimes it with a lump sum, sometimes you can do it regularly. Um, but, you know, just keep an eye on it. And, and where traditionally I've said, I'm not worried about mortgage rates, two and a half percent mortgage, who cares? Don't, don't worry about paying that down. You got better ways to, to build wealth. But right now, six percent. Right now, with yeah, six percent and possibly greater. Yeah. There's people who are coming up to their mortgages renewing. Now you have to pay attention to what will my balance be when it renews, and how will that affect my cash flow? Hmm. So yeah, keep again, get in touch with your mortgage and what's going on in there. Uh, number seven. I'm going to skip over number, number seven because it's not a big thing in Canada. Health health savings accounts. This is more of a U.S. thing, so I'm going to skip past number eight. Write down your spending to make sure there are no problems. Mm-hmm. Again, get engaged with how you're spending your money. And I've told, and, and you know, Greg, you and I have had this conversation all the time. I don't care how you spend your money. What I care about is do you know how you're spending your money? Yeah. As long as you know how you're spending your money, you get to, to put your set of values on that list and you get to decide whether you're spending money the way you want to or you're not. If you're not, then you got to change it. If you're spending money the way that works for your plan and you're happy with it, I got no judgment. You do you, mm-hmm. right? But but write down what you're spending and make sure you're spending the way you expect to live. Number nine, review your financial plan twice a year. 
You got it. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a big one. We got to make sure it's trending in the right direction. It will not always be positive. There will be times when you've had a cash flow hit and the markets are down and the economy sucks and interest rates are up and you know everything works against you. Well, these are not necessarily things that you did that you had control over. But touch base with your plan a couple times a year. Make sure you're doing what you need to to get to where you want to be. And if there are adjustments that need to be made, mm-hmm. you'll identify that in the, your twice annual meeting. Stay connected to the overall plan. And then number 10, every now and then, take a break from the financial plan. Just, you know, when, you've, when you're doing those other things, you're keeping track of your cash and your credit cards and how you're spending and checking in with your financial plan a couple times a year, every now and then you can just say, you know what, we're doing a great job. I'm going to take a little mental break and just relax and know, you know, that, that old saying of we all overestimate what we can get done in a year, but we underestimate what we get done in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Your financial plan is a long-term thing. Do not stress over it every day. Don't neglect it. Don't don't take a break by blowing a whole bunch of money and then spending the next year trying to recover from it. I was not looking at you when I said that. No, I, I was looking past you. <laughs> yeah. But just uh, every now this. and then, take a break, pat yourself on the back, know you're doing the right things, and, and relax. My brother, it's so awesome to see you. Thank you again for bringing all this wisdom to all the listeners here to the Garasco Show. And folks, if you want some wisdom in your own financial plan, don't hesitate. You know, reach you know, reach Mike at uh, moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762 and do what I did. Just take control and try to stay engaged. Uh, You know, once you have somebody that holds you accountable, it's a lot more difficult to to make a mistake. You know, really, when you let more people know about what you're doing, it's far more difficult to just make a mistake afterwards. You know, I... uh, I, I understand that now. I understand it. It's good to see you, man. Great to be seen. Great to see you, brother. We'll we'll talk again real soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity. We still have an hour of the grievances. It's coming up. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. What's up, guys? This is Vito Belfer, and you are listening to one of the toughest guys on air, Greg Carrasco Show, man. Congratulations on your show. I wish you all the best. Toronto, stay safe out there. God bless you, man. This is Vito Belfer, the Fina, ready to strike. Let's go. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. This 
show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg Carrasco. favorite bands from the 80s man <laughs> I was in high school when I was listening to these guys Motley Crue I never knew what that meant until I came to Canada Motley Crue you don't listen to 80s music no so. not at all not really there aren't very many music genres that are more fun than glam rock oh yeah yeah they were hilarious <laughs> Especially the music videos. Well, I, I like the fans too. Like, I think it was the Kiss fans who would all dress up just like the the, the members of the band with all the makeup and the long hair. Yeah, that was a. Uh, certainly... Who's your favorite? If you had to pick one glam rock band, who stands uh, out? It would have to be Guns N' Roses, man. Yeah, it yeah, has to yeah. be. They were the. They were almost past glam rock, though. Well. Almost, but they they literally killed new wave because uh, during the eighties there was this whole new wave of stuff, uh, you know, the patch mode and tears for fears, Pet Shop Boys, Pet Shop Boys, yeah. and all those things that came Duran Duran and so on that were coming out of uh, England for a very long time, and then out of the blue, the um, uh, Appetite for Destruction album comes out and boom it's like who are these guys because we were all listening to glam rock no matter what man Kiss was huge and Motley Crue and White Snake and all those guys right uh, Poison Europe all those guys but um, none of them had the in, in my opinion anyways and I was listening to this from afar I was in Chile at the time uh, but uh, Guns N' Roses dropped that album and uh, the song Welcome to the Jungle came out and it was just blasting on every single station, on every radio, on every, every uh, uh, what do you call those things, uh, ghetto blasters? Boombox. <laughs> Boomboxes. Uh, everywhere. It didn't matter where you went. It's just like, boom, it disappeared all of a sudden. Uh, and then they just dominated. You know, Sweet Child of Mine was the song that everybody was, you know, listening to. Um, I, I was a big fan of theirs. Um, the um, Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2 are my favorite album of theirs. Uh, although an honorable mention is the album Lies, uh, where they, um, they they went pretty acoustic. Uh, we have a phone call? We do. Who do we have we on the have line? We have Jim from Pickering. Oh, Jim. I haven't talked to Jim in a while. Jim, how's it going, brother? Oh, it's going pretty well. How are you, Greg? I'm very well, thank you. Well, I tell you, you know, you got to keep up with you. All the things you have going on, I don't know how you do it all. Fit <laughs> it all in, but I'll tell you, life's going to go by pretty quickly for you. I can tell you that. But anyway, I'd like to get the book. You know, uh, I think you should write a book one day, Greg. You think so, eh? I really do. No, I'm very serious. You know, I don't think you should run for policy, but yeah, a book with a condensation of all your experiences and, you know, that you've read and the people are that. So, Greg, I do have a question, two questions. Like yeah. So I did order the car 
the Santa Fe. Yeah. And all's, go, all's going well. It's not exactly going, but it's uh, there are no problems yet. But uh, so I ordered it, say, March 20th, and I haven't received it yet. Uh, I haven't had a call for a while, and that's okay. What I want to know is how long is that deal good for when you sign? And what happens when the new models come out? So here we are. We're in June, racing through June. The new models will come out. It'll be almost a year old. What happens, Greg? Well, that's a that's an interesting question because um, from a legal standpoint, if you look at uh, if you take the bill of sale uh, on the back of the uh, bill of sale, it says that uh, the dealership has uh, up to ninety days to deliver the unit to you. Right. Uh, after that, you. yeah. After that, the deal becomes null and void. The problem is this that. Um, um, if you uh, if you wait ninety days and the vehicle is still not there and you cancel the transaction, which you are well within your right, uh, then you have to wait for another car, and then you yeah. never you ne- never really stop waiting. And the reality is that uh, a, a, a year old vehicle right now, uh, from a resale standpoint, due to the shortage or the artificial shortage of product, because it is artificial, folks. You know, car manufacturers are just playing with all of us. Um, they, uh, because of the shortage of vehicles, the price is still just as high. This is one of the reasons that for the first time in a very, very long time, it's better to buy a new car than it is to buy a used car. You, we can't find used cars, number one. The uh, the used cars that you do find are severely overpriced. Uh, number three, yeah. it's, uh, the, the interest rate are not any different. <laughs> So, uh, to buy a used car right oh, now, wow. you're you're paying you know between seven and nine percent interest rate, and the same thing is happening with new cars. With very few exceptions, you have um, breaks in interest rate. But I think that at that point, it just it just becomes a, a, a you know a personal call. Like what what do you what do you do? You know, is 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 it right to wait? Is it not? I would pro- just probably wait. Uh, you are one of those people that keep your vehicles for a very long time, Jim. So you know whether the vehicle is a few months older than it should be or not, it, it won't make any difference on the other side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, great. You know, only one thing slightly changed my mind. Yeah, time to think about it. A car is a car is a car to me, and it's a nice car, and it'll do what I want it to do. But you know what changed my mind yeah. was this year when I picked up my taxes at the accountant, right? Yeah. So I paid one heck of a lot more. There was a bit of a surprise this year, and I paid quarterly and so on, so all that. But I paid a lot more in my income tax this year than I did for the new car. And so I thought, you know what, why not? My first thought came to my mind is I might as well buy leaf season leaf tickets, right? But, you know, not that I really want them, but I think, what, what, I'm just paying in tax. So I'm starting to think I should be spending more money on more luxury or something. But honestly, that was my thought. Odd. But you know what? To buy, you buy a car, it was a multiple of what I paid in income tax. I paid a multiple in income tax. So that's how you started the show. But that's what made me think that, holy mackerel, you know what I mean? It's just like crazy, you know, to spend all that money just in tax and kind Kind of, you know, be a bit practical on the car side, but that's what I did. Yeah, I would just wait. Uh, I would wait. Just keep on the the, the vehicle yep. that you bought is a phenomenal vehicle, and uh, you know, waiting, you know, waiting three months right now is a very short period of time. A lot of people have been waiting for six months up right. to a year, depending on the car that you're buying. Like for example, if you bought uh, a Nissan 400Z, you waited for a year for that car to arrive. If you're looking for a Toyota oh. Sienna or a Rav4 hybrid, you're waiting a hundred years for one. 
So yeah. they're like unicorns, they're virtually impossible to find. So I would just sit tight, take it, enjoy it, drive it. And if you need anything from me, just call me. But uh, I am working on that book, uh, Jim. I am working on that book. No, I'm serious. Yeah, you, you should. I'll tell you something. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it's it's really interesting. I tell you, Greg, I really have r- written things down. The last thing I wrote down, I think you might have been away, but I hadn't heard the other show, right? So I didn't know at the beginning was a broadcast. But it was about the, the woman who was a certain age, I don't know, 105, and she learned not to worry about what is and that's my big thing. But I, I sort of had to write it down, and I know that uh-huh. things you can't accept. But she said she learned to not worry about things that already are what is. And you know that that's really big, and it's uh, makes sense. But it's not always easy to do. But uh, it's it's very important. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much for the phone call, Jim. I really appreciate okay. it. Uh, you know, I uh, w- before Jim fo- uh, called. Um, we uh, we were talking about glam rock bands from the eighties, and uh, I, I have to send a shout out to my buddies at uh, uh, at Pete's Fine Dining in Markham uh, because uh, if you have never been there, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, if you want to see Gene Simmons in real life. You need to go down there. You know, just just tell him that Greg from the Greg Carrasco show sent you. And you are going to be taken into a ride into the 80s and kiss in a way that you have never experienced before. But on top of that, you will have one of the most amazing culinary experiences of your life. Because if you get a steak out of Pete's um, Steakhouse there, it's one of the most amazing steaks in, in, in the city, in my opinion, in Ontario, uh, because I don't have a lot of experiences in other provinces. But in Ontario, uh, Pete's uh, Steakhouse is one of the best places to eat a steak in Ontario. Uh, they, um, when they prepare your um, Caesar salad right in front of you. Oh, mm. uh, dude, what? Mm. Uh, no, I, I'm saying, mm, like, I love Caesar salad. No, so but I mean, I, until it's, you've, it's you've prepared. You've got the gears in my head turning. Until it's prepared right in front of you, and you see the eggs going in there, and the anchovies going in there, and the, it all, oh, dude, I, my mouth is just watering just you, think, you, think, thinking about it. You know what I've always wanted to do and I've never done? You what? see, the, you, you know those uh, Italian restaurants where they have the cheese wheel? And they just like mix the pasta. They stir it in in the flaming hot cheese wheel. So it's not like they don't like make their own cheese sauce. They literally just get the sauce from the cheese. Really? Eh? Yeah. Have you never seen that? No, I haven't. I haven't. But uh, you know, I don't consider myself a foodie. I'm not. But I'm a steak snob for sure. I can pick out a few places that you can go for a good steak. Like Pete's is. You know, it's my number one choice. It's just that it's so far from me that I can't make it there. If I go there, I have to stay overnight and mark them somewhere. But, uh, you know, because you you like to have, you know, a nice glass of wine and I will not drink and drive. It's just not something that I do. Um, but my friends at the Octagon right on uh, on Young Street is phenomenal, phenomenal steak. That house has been there for a very long time. In fact, the last time I saw my friend uh, Saul Corman from Corey's, uh, it was there. We, uh, you know, that was the last time I saw him. Uh, I miss him terribly. Uh, the other one is Barbarian, downtown Toronto. That's a nice steakhouse. Oh, yeah. But also, there is some. There is a place that I know you guys are going to judge me. If you're a steak snob, you're going to judge me hard on this. But 
the truth is that I don't care. The uh, keg. Specifically, the keg, a square one. Uh, there is one right beside square one there. And uh, I have been there twice in the last 10 days. Uh, one, I was there with uh, our good friend, Richard Sirid, uh, which, by the way, my, my thoughts go out to Richard and his family. Uh, I believe that um, somebody passed away and his family. Uh, I don't know if I'm at the liberty to talk about this on air, but, uh, um, you know, my thoughts go out to him. And uh, I was out for dinner with him. And uh, the, the 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 steak was just unbelievable. And then I was there with my son a couple of days ago, and it was phenomenal. I don't even know why I, I digress into that. I've never had a bad experience at the keg. At the keg, no yeah. man. And it's, uh, it's 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 solid. It, it's exactly what you need it to be. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very predictable experience. Uh, and uh, I should probably be a spokesperson for the keg because if I in a pinch. I will go to the keg. I don't care what people tell me. My favorite thing at the keg is the the Billy Minor pie. I don't know if you ever get that. I know you're not much of a sugar dessert nah, guy. No, not but really. Oh my god, it is so good. Well, I, uh, I, th- yeah, it, it is. It is pretty good. But I, I have a problem with bread, dude. I, I just, I just love bread. <laughs> it's, it, <I'm, laughs> it's so hard to give it up. And, and when you, when you go hardcore keto, which is what I like to eat, uh, if I do have to, uh, break my own rules, I will have that bread. Steamy. So good. Bread. You spread the butter and it just turns into liquid Stop. butter immediately. And then you just take a bite and you can just feel the salty, viscousy thing of your, the butter just going down. Uh, oh, dude, it's so amazing. And the smell, man, you know, like baked bread looks so delicious right in front of you. Uh, yeah, the keg certainly gives you a predictable experience. Um, the, um, you know, restaurants. I, you now, a big shout out to my friends at, at Pete's Fine Dining in Markham. You know, I hope that uh, this shout out sends you some business. But if you've never heard of it, look it up. Trust me, it's an old school uh, steakhouse. Old school steakhouse. Now, we, we're going to take a very short break because uh, then we need to take another break. We have another guest uh, coming on the show to talk to us about uh, something that, you know, usually I don't get involved in in in, in politics when it comes to this sort of thing. But uh, uh, on uh, on Thursday night, the, the mayoral debate uh, had a, a little bit of a, a few hiccups there. And uh, some pointy questions were asked to all the candidates and uh, the, 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 I think think that the leader of the uh, of the race right now refused to answer some questions so we have um, brian lily from the toronto sun uh, is that how you pronounce his L- name lily lily, lily? Yeah. yeah brian lily from the toronto sun forgive me man i'm an esl so sometimes you know you interpret words the way you see them uh, brian lily from the toronto sun is going to talk to us about his article uh, in a little while but uh, let's take a short break the show is brought to you by oakville nissan and oakville infinity home of the no commission salespeople. before you make any car buying decisions you need to come and see me let's take a short break we'll be right back my name is sean avery i love getting under people's skin but not as much as this guy you're listening to the greg carrasco show when i cross the street It's the cars that have to look both ways. 
I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. wanted a job <laughs> this, you know this uh, a throwback a couple of songs there for a little while they've the, all been throwbacks yeah for them they, they always are no pretty and, much yeah yeah the, you know new music is garbage man what are you talking about it's truly garbage do you disagree with that statement no or sorry yes <laughs> I th- no, okay. I I can see why you think it's garbage. Tell me one thing that isn't garbage right now, like pop music. Um, I don't particularly like her, but I don't think Taylor Swift is garbage. What? I don't think Taylor Swift. How is garbage. many songs can you write about people that leave you? <laughs> but <laughs> it's the same song over and over and some, over again. Sometimes, not always. It isn't always. She's branched out more than she used what was when she first started so i i didn't peg you for a taylor swift, a not, swift oh, fan. No, 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 i'm not i am not hold on hold on let me just i'm not uh, but i, I, I don't I think, think her music's garbage i think that you were a closet taylor swift I am uh, not, fan no i i am not because out of all I'm the not, things that I, you could bring on the show here as not that, garbage music you brought out taylor swift well, because that's probably the most she's one of the most popular artists right now it's like saying britney spears <laughs> it's the same thing no, it's not. It is absolutely it's the same thing. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a pass. Give me another <laughs> band that isn't garbage. Another band? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or, a, or a singer. Come on. You see? It's, this is how difficult it is. But you, know, you don't have to look too far back to understand. Lamar. Have you read the lyrics? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes? Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. He's one of the best best lyricists of lyri- all time. One of the best lyricists, oh, Kendrick yeah. Lamar. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't. Uh, it's been a while since I read his lyrics, but I usually Go judge the. You uh, no, I, I, I have he, a couple I, of his sure albums. He's a Pulitzer. Um, probably, probably. Um, I uh, I have a couple of his albums. The um, but I haven't. It's been a while since I read some of his lyrics. Uh, you know. This I have been so detached from uh, the uh, the mayoral race in, in Toronto. Do you know anything about it? A little bit, and yeah. I should know more than I do because I do have a vote in it. But uh, it's still another week and a half until I head to the polls, so still have some time to do my research. Do you think that uh, Olivia Chow is going to win? Yes, you think so? Yeah, I do. Why? Because there's nobody else I can actually... I don't know what it is. I think it's a mix of, of, of name. Reckon, obviously, she's got the, 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 the name brand. Uh, and also, she's telling a lot of people what they want to hear. A lot of people are in favor of more bike lanes. And she's proposing that. And Bike lanes are stupid. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I do not disagree there. I think it's a nice idea in theory, but it just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, so practice. is communism. <laughs> in theory, is great. No, yeah. but here's the thing, right? Is I, I went to Montreal a few months ago, and they have bike lanes there, and everything works great. Uh, I don't know 
the history of how those were implemented there, but there's a really nice balance. You know, the traffic still seems to flow relatively well, yet there's all this space how for bikers as well. How long did you stay well. there? A weekend. I don't think that uh, an, an anecdote over two days during the weekend when rush hour and nobody's working is an accurate representation of the, of the mess that you have in Mont downtown Montreal with the back bike lanes. That's a fair point. And I was going to say already, even with the, we, you know, we haven't even had a ton of them here in Toronto. The main one that sticks out to me is on Young Street when you get to downtown Midtown. It's one lane now. And tra traffic is, is horrible there. And we're talking about, I, I think it still is, the biggest street, the longest street in the world. Yeah. And the most important stretch of it through downtown, midtown Toronto is just always clogged up now. I just don't know if it's good for business. Uh, I mean, you have significantly le less traffic driving by there. It's less accessible to go downtown Toronto. If, you're, if you have a vehicle, it's more difficult to park. It's just obnoxious. You know, I... I avoid going to Toronto at all cost. Uh, I Is will, it because I live there? No, no, no. It's because uh, nothing really good happens in Toronto, man. I don't, there's nothing good for me there. <laughs> Those days are over, and uh, I hate. I don't mind driving at all. Uh, I hate traffic. So whenever I have to go to Toronto, at whatever time of the day, you just get st stuck on the trap there of the gardener, the QEW gardener going oh, in, yeah. and the moment you pass the, uh, the 427, that's it, man. Yeah. It's all oh, yeah. over. Oh, yeah. I, I'm lucky that I never have to take the, the Gardner QEW, really, because it is horrible. Yeah, horrible. well, and, and speaking of horrible, um, you know, I hate when politicians sidestep questions in relation to their campaigns. So I have somebody coming to join us on the show to, to speak about the last debate, uh, in the Toronto trying to elect the mayor there. And, uh, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if there is any good ending to this situation in Toronto. But, uh, why don't we do this? Let's take a very short break so we can talk to Brian Lilly on the other side from the Toronto Sun. And then we can dissect this, uh, debate that was on TV a couple of days ago. Uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. I'm through standing in line to clubs I'll never get in. It's like the bottom of the ninth, and I'm never gonna win this. Life hasn't done out quite the way I want it to be. On a brand new house on an episode of Cribs and a bathroom I can play baseball in. This is what happens when you're one song short on the rundown. This is exactly what happens. You get greatness. Yeah, I want so many things. I want a brand new truck. I want a black American Express card. <laughs> so I can get out of trouble whenever I go somewhere else. There are so many things that I want. You know, one of the other things that I want is that uh, honest politicians. Are you ever going to find one, Jacob? What do you think? Probably not. 
Some are more honest than others, maybe, but you're not going to get 100% honesty. I don't know how that works, really. If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest radio show on weekends. And I have a special guest this morning. Uh, he is uh, He's a writer for the Toronto Sun, uh, Brian Lilly. Brian, thank you for joining The Carrasco Show. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. I, I would actually say I think most politicians get into this game for the right reason. I disagree with them an awful lot on their policies and their actions and everything else, but I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt that they think they're doing what's right, unless they're really screwing up like the uh, the current federal public safety minister who is oh, I, uh, I know. in a heap of trouble. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think maybe I'm a little bit more cynical than you are. And, uh, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, having been born and, and, and raised in Santiago, Chile, and go, growing up with the Pinochet dictatorship, we look at politicians in a different, with a different light. And, uh, you know, one of the things that always uh, uh, amazes me is like, at what point in your life you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you know what, I am the person, I am the man or I am the woman in this case that is uh, has the answer for this millions of people <laughs> I am the one the only one that is equipped to lead you to the promised land and not get lost in the it desert a bit of arrogance to do that doesn't it oh. it takes an ego and it takes arrogance and arrogance isn't always a bad thing you no. know uh, you and I get on the radio or uh, I used to be a radio guy or, or I write something, we're basically saying to people, hey, listen to me, look at me, read me, I'm important. Um, and, and the politicians are doing that on a bigger scale, trying to get our votes. And and right now we've got, what, um, eight days, nine days until we find out who's the mayor of Toronto. And it's... Um, it's an odd situation in this city. What What is your prediction, uh, Brian? What What do you think is going to happen? Well, uh, look, the polls all say that Olivia Chow is well out ahead. Um, my only problem with that is, um, does her vote show up and... Um, do enough people show up? We know that municipal politics tends to have a low voter turnout. Mm-hmm. Last fall, it was 29% voter turnout in Toronto. Yeah. What's it going to be this time? Is it going to even come close to 29%? Is it going to be 20%? I think about 130,000 people voted in the advance polls. Um, I'm, I'm going to wait until Election Day Monday and ride the elevator up to the top of my building. It's a very arduous trek, mm-hmm. and I'll cast my ballot there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, a lot of people just won't show. And so if one of the other candidates has a great get-out-the-vote effort mm-hmm. and Chow's kind of sputters, maybe something different happens. Other than that, you know, unless we see a, a, a late surge with people saying, uh, you know what? I was going to back candidate A, but I'm switching to candidate B to stop Olivia Chow. Unless that happens, I don't see anything changing. It will be Mayor Chow on June 27th. Is, um, she is um, well out in front, according to the polls. 
Is this what uh, municipal politics and for that matter, perhaps provincial and even federal politics, uh, you know, politics has turned out to be just a call to personality? Because, uh, I mean, Olivia Chow has done nothing remarkable. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, she is the most recognizable name in Toronto. And perhaps that's the reason why people are just tagging along, because that's the only one they know. Um, How much of that do you think that that is happening in Toronto and the mayoral race? It's happening in all our politics. Look at uh, our current prime minister. If his name were Thibodeau instead of Trudeau, Mm -hmm. or if it were Smith, he wouldn't be prime minister right now. Um, His his resume doesn't recommend him for the job. He's a good public speaker. He's a good campaigner. I'll give him that. But he is prime minister because of his last name, because of uh, baby boomers having fond memories of his father. Um, You know, things like that. So, you know, Olivia Chow was out in front due to name recognition. She hasn't put a lot of policy in the in the window, so to speak. And what she has put out there, it's nothing that's going to make you say, oh, yeah, we got a rally to Olivia Chow. She's going to save the city. Libraries will be open seven days a week instead of six at all locations. Mm. <laughs> you know, right now, some of our public libraries are only open six days a week. You know, that's important for some people, but it's not going to sway a race this much. This is due to name recognition. She's been around a long time. Uh, she was a school board trustee in the early 90s, mm-hmm. a counselor from the early 90s in, or late 90s into the early 2000s, then an MP. Uh, she ran in 2014. She didn't have this kind of spark then, but she was up against two other very well-known names, John mm-hmm. Tory and Doug Ford. Well, you know, do you think that, I mean, there is something to be said about institutionalized politicians. I mean, she is part of the establishment. Uh, She's a very well-known person in the city, but not because she is well-known. Her policies are good policies. And I don't think that she's doing herself any favor by holding her cards so close to her chest, especially when she gets challenged on on direct questions that she refuses to answer. Uh, Do you think that that debate that took place on Thursday did did her any favor? Well, if we're going to use boxing metaphors, which are often used in political debates, right? Was there a knockout punch? Mm-hmm. Now, there was no knockout punch for anybody in Thursday's debate on CP24. Uh, but people laid gloves on Olivia. And a lot of people maybe finally said, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She, she wants to raise our taxes to what 20 she wants to raise taxes 20 percent oh another candidate says she wants to raise taxes 25 percent oh i don't like that Mm -hmm. and uh you know she she didn't answer she was asked directly by i think at least five if not all six other candidates how high will you raise your taxes and she never answered and so the the other campaigns have gone through a platform and said, well, doing this will add, uh, you know, 1.8%, doing this will add 5 doing this will add so on. And they add up to between 20 and 25%, depending on whose count you listen to. That is a, a staggering figure. It is, but it's also, I mean, I guess every politician holds the right to not self-incriminate. <laughs> if if the answer was a good answer, she would have answered it for, nonetheless, because she could have used that as a, as a catapult to propel her own uh, platform. But, you know, she doesn't want to be called a liar once she gets elected and she starts raising taxes. Now... Th- 
Look, I, uh, I, I'm not a political connoisseur for sure, but I do pay a lot of attention to, you know, federal politics. And uh, one of my biggest beef that I have with the NDP, because she is a member of the NDP, correct? Uh, absolutely. So, She's a member of Canada's Socialist Party. Remember, the NDP is <laughs> right in their constitution. They are a socialist party. They get upset sometimes when I say that, but... It's their constitution, not mine. Uh, you know, Brian, you, you you took the words right out of my mouth. The biggest the biggest beef that I have with the NDP is the lack of honesty on the actual true nature. She is a social is she is part of the Socialist Party of Canada. So, what do you think is going to happen when you have a socialist mayor for the city of Toronto? Taxes will go up. Socialism depends on how much we can extract from the taxpaying populace. Isn't that the basis of socialism? I mean. Do you see any other outcome if she gets elected? Uh, no, taxes will go up dramatically. Now, will that mean that congestion is going to be relieved, that you're going to be able to get around the city easier, that crime will be dealt with? No, those aren't Olivia Chow's uh, concerns. She's not worried about the, the crime uh, that is, you know, especially those of us in, in the core. But it's not just the core that's dealing with crime throughout the city. You can go online and you can see that it's gone up. Mm-hmm. And cr- crime's not mentioned on on the uh, uh, the platform section of her website. The closest it comes, I'm just scrolling through it now. Mm-hmm. She's got things about uh, building more homes you can afford. Okay, everybody wants to build more homes. She wants the city of Toronto to become the biggest housing developer in the country. Uh, l- let me tell you this, my grandmother in the late 30s put in for a new home to the city council where she lived she got it in 1962 my mother wasn't born when she put the my grandmother put in the new housing request Mm -hmm. my mother was 16 by the time uh, she got it so uh, you know socialist housing doesn't work um my my family lived through that in in scotland that is not the way to do it but that's what olivia wants she wants climate friendly buildings that's fine um She wants to address homelessness, but not by clearing the camps, not by doing something that will quickly, you know, take areas of the city that are nothing but tent encampments and shanty towns and housing people. It's a long term plan. Uh, Library seven days a week. The only thing that she has related to public safety is she wants better 911. And look, the the city of Toronto's 911 service has to be fixed. Uh, And I think every candidate agrees with that. But let's say that you add extra people to answer the phone, Greg, but then they find out you need a police officer. To, and to show up to the call, and there, is, there are none. So Absolutely. You, you need the police officers or the firefighters or the paramedics to show up. She's not talking about those issues. She's not talking about the shootings or the fact that crime, major crime indicators, according to Toronto Police Service, are up 20%. The only thing that's down, and that this is good, homicides. But assaults, sexual assaults, car thefts, um, robbery, all of these things are up dramatically. She's not talking about it, and she doesn't see it as an issue. Those of us who live in the city do, uh, but somehow she's, she's getting away with it. And, 
you know, she keeps talking about renters in her policy as well. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that. I think that uh, what she wants to do is, uh, you know, essentially try not to hurt the property owners so they can pass along the costs onto the renters because there is a big issue with that, right? You know, you know, a renter gets into your house and you can't raise the rent. Is that what she's trying to do? No. And in fact, her property taxes under Ontario law, uh, a landlord is able to pass on the property tax increase, especially if it's a big one. If it is a big property tax hike, guess what? You get to go to your tenant and say, my taxes went up 20%. Now, that doesn't mean rent goes up 20%. That's only part of the equation, right? But you can pass along your total tax increase to your tenant. So she's going to you know, jack up all of the, uh, the taxes, including what landlords pay, Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have to pass it on. Now, based based on your knowledge of of the uh, the mayoral race here in in Toronto, do you see anyone within the candidates that could be a better candidate or someone that the that people should be looking at before they cast their vote uh, in eight days from today? Yeah, I'll say this, Greg. We have an abundance of good candidates, even ones that I don't agree with. Like, I don't agree with Olivia Chow's policies. But Olivia Chow is a nice woman and a competent politician. Um, I, I, I think she's got the wrong policies, but she's, a, you know, she's competent. Um, Josh Matlow, again, he's more on the progressive side that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but good politician. And then you've got people in the middle like Brad Bradford and Anna Bylaw. We have uh, Mitzi Hunter. Uh, we've got a lot of good candidates this time and unfortunately none of them are breaking through except for chow i would say the two that have the possibility and i'll be watching in the last week to see where where it goes if anyone has momentum uh former police chief mark saunders Mm -hmm. he's steadily been been second uh he's talking about issues like making the ttc safe making it safe for you to go into the park without worrying about needles or tent encampments making it so that your neighborhood is safe. Um, He's got potential, and we'll see what happens with his campaign. He's one of two that I'm looking at. The other is my former Toronto Sun columnist candidate, uh, Anthony Fury. Uh And and Fury is very much in a similar vein um, and and, and perhaps a bit more strident, which isn't a bad thing, in saying we've got to make the city safe. That that doesn't mean arresting homeless people and throwing them out of the city. Mm-hmm. Although part of the problem that we have in Toronto is uh, why are our shelters full? Other municipalities give people bus tickets to come to Toronto. Um, and that fills up our shelter systems. And between 30 and 40% of the shelter beds in Toronto right now are occupied by people who came across at Roxham Road, uh, the illegal border crossing in Quebec that was recently closed. But they have nowhere to go, so they go into the shelter system. They stay in Toronto, and the federal government, in the federal government, doesn't pay for that. Mm, that's that's, so, that's interesting. Know, we, yeah, so I, I would say Anthony Fury and and Mark Saunders are two that I'm going to be watching. The others are, you know, they're good people. They've got some good policies. They just haven't caught the voting public's imagination. You know, this is a question that you may not know the answer for, but it always interests me, uh, you know, to find out, do we know who Toronto Police Board supports? Because they usually go behind a candidate. Uh, do we know who they are behind? Oh, you, you mean the uh, the police union? The police union, pardon. 
Yes. Uh, I, I believe they have decided that they are not endorsing anyone this time. That's, uh, those, that's a scary proposition. When, uh, when the police union decides that none of the candidates are for the union to support policing in Toronto, therefore cr the crime situation is not going to get any better. Would you, uh, would you agree with that assertion? I just don't think that they feel they can they can back anyone. Maybe they don't think anyone can back Olivia Chow. Olivia Chow was on the Toronto Police Services Board years ago. She ended up having to quit over controversy. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't back her. They're not going to back Mark Saunders because he's the former boss. And who likes their boss, right? So <laughs> that, that is to, true. A lot of people tend to fight with their boss. And, and they probably don't think the others can defeat Chow. So they're just, they're staying out of it. They're staying um, neutral. Yeah, Olivia Chow has the backing of uh, of some unions, but interestingly, the ones that either represent most city workers or workers that go uh, that do business with the city, like Leuna or the Carpenters Union on construction projects, they're backing Anna Bailao. I don't think Bailao has the ability to to surge forward. Um, then, when you you look at someone like uh, Anthony Fury, he's got a lot of support from the business community. People like uh, celebrity chef Mark McEwen, who owns a bunch of restaurants in town. Mm -hmm. uh, Larry Isaacs is behind the, the Firkin group of pubs and, and several other business groups. So it, it's a hodgepodge of who's got endorsements. But, the, you know, the police union, they, they have decided to stay out of it. That, that's the last I heard. My apologies if that's changed and I've missed it. You know, I do have a personal question for you, uh, Brian, and, and I might be touching on, on political inclinations, but, you know, I don't care. It's my show, so we can ask all these sort of tough questions that a lot of people don't want to talk about here on the radio these days. I don't know why, but uh, why do you feel personally that, uh, you know, Canada has seen the corrosive effect that leaning towards the left is brought to federal politics? Because the Liberal Party is not center anymore. We all know know this and you know they, they they're, they're not they're not falling towards the left they were they're already there <laughs> I mean there is almost no distinction now between NDP and, and liberal government but saying that we have seen the 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 awful effects of that slide to the left in relation to taxpayers in relation to policy in relation to crime in relation to all these things why do we insist in leaning towards the left in politics now at, at the uh, municipal level because you know you want to go to the left you go to chow right why do you think that we yeah. don't learn from our mistakes um th there's a narrative that uh conservatives are uncaring that conservatives are mean that conservatives don't look after people uh that they're far right and scary like even doug ford who was never a far right guy was described as far right when he first ran for premier. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I've known I've known Ford for quite a while. We're, we're not besties, but I followed his politics. I know him. He's a middle-of-the-road guy who leans to the conservative side. That's his gut instinct. He's still described as far right. Mark Saunders dropped by a, a, a great restaurant here in Toronto called um, uh, Bistro on Avenue. Yeah. He took his... Uh, He took his volunteers out there for wings. You know, to, you know, if you're in that north part of Toronto, that's where you go for wings. And he took his volunteers who were out campaigning with him for lunch. And the owner drops by and, and gets a photo taken with him. Well, suddenly there's a story on one of the left-wing websites saying uh, uh, 
restaurant, popular wing joint, endorses controversial uh, candidates. And they're describing <laughs> Saunders as far right. Yeah, Mark Saunders is the furthest thing from uh, controversial. Anthony Fury is being described in the Toronto Star as far right. And that scares people. They never describe Olivia Chow or Josh Matlow as far left. They, they never describe Olivia as socialist. And some people say, well, I love socialism. It's great. Well, that's fine, but it is an honest descriptor of her. Mm-hmm. But we won't use that. So it, I think partly it's uh, uh, media. I think part, you know, not all media. Obviously, I'm talking to you and, and I have different views. But, yeah. you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the media just says everything conservative is bad and far right and controversial. I was watching it on a, a federal uh, political panel on TV yesterday. They're describing it as if Pierre Polyev is so far behind Justin Trudeau and all these things he's got to do. You know, he's got to break away from his base because he's only got his base. And I'm thinking, are you guys looking at the polls? They're both down in the early, uh, the, the low 30s, where they've both been stuck, both parties, for going back to the 2019 elections. That's four years almost. Mm-hmm. And yet... One side is described as they can't break through, and the other side is described as if, well, yeah, winning a, a, a federal government with 32% of the popular vote is normal and great. So, you know, we've, we, we've got a weird discussion going on in our, in, in our media, which informs the, uh, the discussions that we all have around uh, the, the dinner tables in the backyard. Um, look, there, there's very few radicals, real radicals in Canadian politics. Um, I'm yet and, to meet one, uh, to be and, perfectly and, honest with you. I'm yet to meet one. Yeah, yeah. I, I've met some, and I'd say Maxime Bernier has turned into one. He didn't used to be. I've known Max for close to 20 years. Yeah. Um, and, and even though Olivia Chow's is social, I wouldn't call her a radical. Um, but, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the left side is always described as caring and compassionate. And what I say to that is, okay, well, they say... They they say things that make you feel good about their intent. Let's look at the, the what they actually result. do. Yeah, <laughs> my my big concern is that Olivia Chow wants to adopt policies that mirror what has been done on drugs in San Francisco, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in Vancouver, and she wants to bring that here. And people say, well, it's saving lives. Really, the BC coroner said in a recent report that opioid overdose deaths went from 270 in 2012 to 2,200, all just shy of 2,300 in 2022. In a decade, it goes up almost nine times what it was previously. And what did they do during that entire time? They kept making drugs easier to get, making it easier to get, making it easier to get. That's what she wants to bring here. Hard drugs, legalizing fentanyl, legalizing heroin, legalizing meth, and then moving towards safe supply where they actually give it to people. And they'll say, well, it's compassionate. It's about saving people. And I say, no, the results show otherwise. More people will die as a, as a result of this. Thousands will die. And we shouldn't be going down that road. Brian Lilly, everyone, thank you so much for joining the Carrasco Show this morning. I really enjoy this conversation, Brian. And uh, I want to extend an open invitation for you to share these things. Uh, we are Canada's largest radio show on weekends. And I think it's important that voices like yours are being heard on a regular basis. So, you know, I will, uh, I will give you a shot during the week, Brian. Maybe we can do this a little bit more of a regular thing. And uh, I would love to have you here more often. All right. We'll talk soon, Greg. Thanks. Thank, thank you, Brian. 
Those are three hours. <laughs> they flew by. Thank you so much, Brian Lilly, for uh, joining the show this morning. That was an interesting conversation. I like him. I like him. Uh, happy Father's Day to everyone. Don't do it. You know, you know that you can pick up the phone. Maybe you have a riff with your dad. Pick up the phone. Call him. Invite him over. Give him a hug. When they're gone, you're going to miss him. Trust me on that one. Thank you so much for indulging me yet again for another three hours here of a radio extravaganza. And if you want to come and see me in person, uh, there's only one place that you should be buying cars, and that is Oakville Nissan. Why, Jacob? There's something happening here at OakvilleNissan.com. an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!